Okay, thank you. Thank you very much, ma'am. Sorry about that. No problem. Hi, Miss Berry. Hello, how are you? I'm can good, you, thank can you. Can you see and hear me clearly? Yes, IT, are you happy with Miss Berry? You're on mute, Titus. You're on mute, Titus. Yes, you are happy, sir. All right, thank you very much. All right, Mister, if you can just uh, wait, then the chairperson will indicate uh, uh, when uh, the committee is ready to proceed. Thank you very much. Thank you. Let me call, see. I'm just looking for the document. One second, eh? Can be cozy. Can be cozy. Can be cozy. Hi, Hadjara. I've got only one um, CV here, Mutian. It's okay. I will. I will. I will do it from my side. Uh, it's, it's okay. Side. So, okay. Thank you, Chair. We, we can proceed, Chairperson. I will do it from uh, uh, this side. Uh, good good evening, uh, uh, honorable members, uh, uh, our guests, uh, as well as our candidate, uh, Ms. Perry. Um, just to make things uh, quicker, <clears throat> just to deal with formalities, this is a, a subcommittee uh, of the Portfolio Committee on communications in the National Assembly. Uh, the NA rules uh, allow us to set up a subcommittee that focuses on a specific matter. Then this subcommittee is mandated to deal with the appointment process for the MDDA uh, board members as, as you would have uh, applied and therefore would also be reporting uh, to the committee uh, at the end of the process. Uh, so with the members that are in this committee, I will do uh, quickly so that when they address you, at least you would have uh, a bit of background as to who's speaking. We do have uh, Honorable uh, Kubeka, um, 
we have Honorable Faku. Uh, we have Honorable uh, Thomas uh, Kumbu. We have uh, Honorable uh, Majosi. We have Honorable uh, uh, Pambo. We have Honorable uh, Mackenzie. Uh, those are the members uh, of the subcommittee from honorable members. Of course, we have the support staff that has been interacting with your, yourself. Uh, in this instance, uh, Tembingosi and uh, Hajira was helping us today. Uh, without really a waste of uh, time, uh, we will uh, give you an opportunity to briefly introduce yourself and uh, of course uh, take us quickly on your uh, presentation uh, that uh, you would want to present to the committee on the role of uh, and why 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 you, you would have uh, looked at the role of the MTTA board. Uh, honorable members will then have an opportunity thereafter uh, to interact with you uh, in the few minutes that have been uh, allocated uh, to members because we have 35 minutes all in all, including your presentation. Uh, they will interact with you and you will also have uh, an opportunity to respond, uh, but we'll be, of course, uh, looking at time uh, in the responses. Uh, uh, let this be an interactive uh, session. Um, I'm sure the panel members would also learn a few things from the interaction and you'll also learn a few things from this interaction. So please feel welcomed um, and, and the committee, I'm sure it's ready to to hear from you. Uh, here's an opportunity to introduce yourself and and the presentation uh, infused in, the, in those five minutes. Um, over to you, Ms. Perry. Thank you so much, Honourable Chairperson, and thank you, Honourable Members. I am very, very honoured and extremely humbled to, first of all, have been selected um, for the shortlisting of the MDDA Board, and I will not hesitate to continue then with my presentation, which will both tell you the role of the Board as I see it and also speak about where I come from in relation to that. I'm going to try and share my screen now and um, hopefully it will work and we can begin the presentation. Um, let me know if you see my screen. Not yet. Not yet. Mm. I am pressing on the share. Okay. Here do you, is it sharing yet? Chairperson? Yeah, there you are. You see it? Can you see it? Somebody's. Uh, I think they're trying to open it. Yeah. I have opened it to try. The candidate right, uh, it's open. can proceed. Um, okay. Um, um, Tim and Corsi, can I just find out if it's can coming from your side or from my side? The screen? It's coming from my, it's coming okay. from my side. Okay, then it's fine. Okay, uh, I did. Okay, I'm glad everyone can see it. 
Um, I'm going to start with sharing a very, very short clip uh, from a film I made um, long, a few year, many years ago. Um, it's just um, under one minute, and I'd like to start my presentation there. Tim and Corsi, if you could please play that clip. Just uh, sorry, Chair. I'm just uh, doesn't want to play. We tested it earlier on, but now uh, there's a little play in there. Let's let's do this. Let's do this. I have another way. Okay. Uh, I am prepared uh, for this. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Sorry, because. I don't think it has volume. No, it's okay. Um, it's okay. Uh, you can pause that, Tim and Corsi. I'm I'm sorry that it doesn't want to play. But I will I will speak you briefly through what you saw briefly in the images, and that is my speaking valve, which um, which I speak and breathe through. Um, that is the short form I made. And what I speak about in that is that this instrument allows me to be able to speak. But it's not only a point I'm making about a personal experience or personal disability, but speaking to the larger issue of the importance of having voice and the ability to speak and express yourself, which for me lays at the core of what the MDDA is about. Thank you. We could move to the next page. Um, and here I, of course, I've mentioned about uh, the film, which is called Voice Over, and that um, voice and speaking is essential to the MDDA. So as I was going through all the statements about the MDDA, looking at the vision, the mission, the mandate, objectives, for me, the bottom line is that it is a platform for the voices of South African people through building and growing community media and small commercial enterprise. For me, that is very, very key and vital, of course, to our democracy. And the, the terms that go throughout all um, the MDDA's visions and missions and mandates are terms that speak about development, diversity, creating an enabling environment, freedom of expression, cap capacity building, skills development, access to transformation, very important um, ownership, control, and resources of community media. And of course, having a people-centered media, um, which for me is really what I feel very passionate about. And what for me is at the heart of community media, because essentially communities have the right to control the representation of their own images in a participatory democracy. And I believe that um, community media is truly central to the transformation of our society. I don't believe that we can have a transformed society without acknowledging all people who constitute our society, where every single one of our stories count. Our lives, our histories, and our experiences are essentially made visible. And community media really counters the horrific legacy of apartheid and its purposeful erasure of the voices of our people in favor, of course, of a dominant narrative of exclusion. 
And a core tenet of our democracy, of course, is the restoration of human dignity. How do we do that? We validate communities. We give them a platform to express their concerns, their needs, challenges, aspirations, and their triumphs, of course, as we strive towards an equitable society where every story and every life matters. So I understand that the key elements of the MD Days mandate is, of course, to provide grant funding. And this is to community media um, and small commercial enterprises to leverage uh, resources and support um, to facilitate capacity building, conduct and fund research and advocate, of course, for community media. I've noticed that the key challenges faced by the MDDA include insufficient funding. I read in your last annual report that um, the budget only allows to support half of the projects that are applied for. Um, and I also noticed that there is a high staff turnover um, in the MDDA itself, which is a bit of a concern. Um, so those are the issues that, that I've raised. Okay, we've skipped the screen. Um, uh, so briefly, I just wanted to tell you, as you know, I'm a filmmaker, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a media maker, and I come from the point of being a media maker. I want you to note that um, in my presentation. Um, and um, the last film I made was a virtual reality film where I sort of reimagine that artists with disabilities come to the city of Johannesburg, and they transform the city into an absolutely accessible universe and acknowledge the history of those who came before them. So I'm not here in my capacity as an individual, as Lichelle Shelley, my nickname, Barry. As Maya Angelou once said, I come as one, but I stand as 10,000. And in my case, it truly is far beyond 10,000 because I'm here representing the marginalized voices of people with disabilities. I'm here as a black woman. I'm here as a member of the LGBTQIA community. And these are the sectors that are some of the most silenced in mainstream and community media, I might add. So my life's work has been, and it continues to be, about breaking that silence and forging a path of entry into a media that consistently stereotypes, diminishes, or excludes our lives. And that really drives the work that I do. Can I take a sip of water, please? <laughs> um, in the current context that we have now with COVID-19, I think the role of the MDDA has really also become quite cru crucial because COVID-19 has radically altered the way we live and the way we work. It also has highlighted the need for information to pull it down to communities in their own language. It is literally a life-saving act that people are able to access community media and access information in a language that is theirs. Um, so, of course, MDDA's role in this, in this regard has been to support community media and small commercial media with relief funding, which I noted with, with gladness, to alleviate the devastation wrought by COVID-19. As I said, community media has a powerful part to play 
in educating communities and giving communities a space in which to express their views and share their experiences. Okay. Um, so what contribution can I make? Um, I feel that as board member of the MDDA, I would be able to serve my country in an area I feel very passionate about, which is community media. Excuse me? Did someone say something? I can proceed. I think it's okay. a bad Oh, okay. Um, so within the scope of the MDDA's role and having a sense of the strength of the other board members who are currently appointed, I believe that my contribution could be in the areas of capacity building, technological innovation, specifically mobile phone technology, which is one of my areas of interest, um, project oversight and overview, um, ensuring that accessibility for people with disabilities in media is on the agenda, because I find that that item is very often not on the agenda and that diversity in all its manifestations are a core driving force carried out by the MDDA's mandate. Thank you for this opportunity. I am a humble servant of this country and hope to make my contribution on the level of the MDDA, which I believe has the power to effect change. And here is an empty screen. It's our responsibility to fill it. Thank you. Thanks, uh, Ms. Perry. Uh, I will now, uh, without uh, waste of time, go to members uh, who would want to interact mm -hmm. with the candidate. Uh, if you can just uh, show your hands so that I note in that order. Uh, can you hear me, uh, Honorable Gumbo? Honorable Gumbo? Yeah, you've can now you unmuted. Sir? I can hear you. I, I note you. I've noted you. Yes, sir. Honorable, Honorable Gumbo, I've noted you. You're one. Uh, right. Uh, Honorable... Uh, Mackenzie, uh, is that, is that uh, Honorable Kubeka? Oh, you, you, I thought you were raising a hand, sorry. Uh, I then have Honorable uh, uh, Faku, Honorable uh, is it Pambo? Are you still here? Uh, yeah, Chair, I'm fine. <clears throat> fine. All right. Uh, Honorable uh, Machozi, I see your hand. Uh, then we'll be having Honorable Kubega. Uh, in that order, Honorable Kumbu, your question, okay, to the candidate. Oh. Uh, I'll give me a chance of asking one question, or if I'm having more than one question, can I, how do I handle that? 
try and ask uh, the question, uh, Honorable Kumbu, mindful of uh, the time, yeah. as I said, so that we also give the opportunity to the candidate to respond to your questions within the limited uh, uh, five minutes we have. Thank you, Chairperson. I'll have, uh, uh, I'm having three, just three questions. Uh, good evening, uh, Ms. Uh, what is the Ms. Berry. Am, am I correct? Okay. Sorry, you are correct, yes. <laughs> yeah, my first question would be, I just want you to share uh, with us your understanding of the following ads, right? the two ads. The electronic act number 36 of 2005 and uh, the independent communication authority, uh, the ICASA act number 13 of 2000 as amended. Just to, to, to share with us as a panel. The second, my second question would be, what could be the role of the MGDA in promoting community media in a digital environment? That would be my second question. Uh, now, I want to get your understanding of the nature of the relationship between ICASA and uh, the MDDA. Those are my first questions, Chair. Thank you. If you can just uh, respond to this question. Okay. Thank you, Honorable Gumbu. Um, I will start um, with, with ICASA, which is, of course, the Independent Communications Authority of South Africa. Um, ICASA is more of a watchdog, um, regulatory body, um, and also allows for viewers to, um, to express their views and to give complaints as well. But its main duty, of course, is to regu regulate the telecommunications and broadcasting sector. Okay. Um, the Electronic um, Act that you mentioned, I'm afraid I would need to read up on those acts. Um, not familiar with the, de the details of that particular act. Um, you asked about... Um, the MDDA in a digital environment. I think the MDDA has a huge role to play in the digital environment simply because um, with the fourth industrial revolution, I think the MDDA really needs to be able to put more money into capacity building and funding capacity building so that community media is not left behind by the digital revolution. Um, so I think there needs to be a lot more emphasis on capacity building um, with within community media within the community media sector, and I understand that funding is limited in that regard. But I think that people will be left behind without having that capacity. Um, what was it? Have I answered everything? Um, the third question I think was, um, yeah. So ICASA and the MDDA, of course, as I mentioned, ICASA is a regulatory body and. The MDDA um, is a statutory act um, which basically needs to promote and ensure media development and diversity and a sustainable community media um, in the country. I hope that answers your question, Honorable Kumbu. 
Thank you, uh, thank you, Chair. Let me just thank you very much, Chair. Um, thank you, Ms. Barry. Welcome, um, and thank you very much for your presentation. I'm sorry, you know, they always say it'll be all right on the night, and invariably, the technology lets us down. I, I was very interested in your uh, um, in your audio visual. I certainly like to see it at a later stage. Sure. Um, Ma'am, just a just a, just a couple. You've got a very impressive CV and a, a, a very creative, uh, impressively creative CV in, in the work that you've done, and I think your 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 commitment to our country and its people is clear. When you when you in your presentation you say um, it will dimin it diminishes or excludes our lives. Um, are you talking specifically about uh, people with disabilities? Um, LGBTQIA uh, uh, people, uh, women, black people, or or, or, or generally, um, just just to see who, who you're talking about specifically. And if you go in with a mandate to represent um, this particular segment of people, are you then able to to cast your eye a bit wider, um, you know, beyond that towards a, a more general sort of audience? Um, given that you're you're representing quite a specific sector, a very important sector. Um, I'm blind in my right eye, so you know I also have a disability, and, and I rate it as very important. Um, then, just in terms of community, um, can you define community for me? What you see uh, a community as being in an MDDA term? Um, and then just just to build on 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 my my colleague honorable gumu um new media being the internet primarily um and if you look at somebody like uh Thibaut touch or gareth cliff of cliff central and the success these people have had with new media and almost no startup money how can you, in, in the COVID-19 economic climate that we know, and, and the climate that we had before, the economic climate that we had before, we know money is very tight in South Africa. How, how can you help the MDDA achieve its mandate by doing more with less? I know it's a cliche, but how can you do that? And just from a new media perspective. Thank you, Ms. Barry. Thank you, Chairperson. Thank you, Honorable McKenzie. Ms. Barry? Thank you, Honorable McKenzie. Um, so, yes, of course, when I speak about the exclusion, I have highlighted those sectors of society that are generally excluded from mainstream and also community media in many um, aspects. But for me, I also think of exclusion as anyone who doesn't have access to representing their lives and their stories in the media. So here again, elders, for example, are not adequately represented. Um, children, even our youth, you know, um, they are anyone who, who is excluded from the media, from being able to express their views, um, from being able to reflect their lives and see themselves reflected, are are the people that I, I refer to in, in that capacity. But of course, I've, I am more than anything else, feel very passionate about disability issues because for me, that is always, always the gap 
um, and there's always a lack of representation in very, very important sectors that can have influence and that can affect change, such as the MDDA. Um, what, what do I see as community? Um, I see communities as being the, um, consisting of people who make up a geographic space, a linguistic space, um, who share a, a culture, a values, um, yeah, and have a common a common vision for for self determination. Um, media, new media, yes, of course, we're going into a very interesting terrain. And of course, COVID-19 has just pushed us into, into this terrain. Um, the, yeah, again, so, so my advice would be to look at how we could use new media to our advantage. For example, uh, mobile phone technology um, is, is a camera we all have in our pockets. It's a sound recorder we all have in our pockets. The amount of applications or apps that have been developed um, and that are developing each and every day um, make it so much easier to produce content and, of course, to be able to broadcast that content. And then I think what we need to look into is how to monetize that content, which is then becomes a funding stream. Um, but more and more um, people are able to, to make their own content um, and and monetize that content. And I think that is an area we need to look into because it can be very cost effective. Um, I've had, I'm working with students who are making films during lockdown, filming within their environments, making powerful, powerful content um, that that's actually going on to community TV. Um, so I think that we need to also just look at this new landscape where there's more access than there's ever been before, but of course data is a huge, huge problem and we need access to data as much as we need access to platforms. Thank you. Uh, Honorable Fako. Uh, thank you, Chairperson. Thank you, Chairperson. Hi, Miss Berry. How are you? Hello, Honorable Fako. I'm fine, thank you. Okay, you must not stress, eh? Try to relax. I don't see nervous. Can you tell? <laughs> you are doing very well. Don't stress. Um, uh, thank you for your work. You are doing such wonderful things. I've read through your your CV. A very impressive stuff that we are doing, and thank you for representing the communities that we are representing. Um, I think South Africa needs people like you. And thank you for also taking the opportunity and applying for being a part of the MPDA board. So I want you to relax. I, 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 I love your presentation because you talk about diversity. So my question, I have a few questions. What is your understanding of the media freedom and your assessment of this in South Africa? Media freedom. Yes, what is your understanding of media freedom and your assessment of this in South Africa? Okay, and then my second question is, what is your understanding 
of media diversity in South Africa. What are the different categories of media? What needs to be done to diversify the media landscape to ensure media diversity? I'll ask you those questions for now and then I'll come back. Over to you, Ms. Farah. Thank you, Honorable Faku. Um, media freedom. I think we've got a very long way to go with regard to media freedom. I think we are still mostly in the grip of very few people controlling the media in this country and that are in that are reaching the majority of the people in this country. And I think that that is why I really believe that strengthening community media will go a long way for the purpose of the freedom of media. Um, because what you get is very sort of mainstream voices, um, the same people, the same shows, similar content. But it's where we come to community media that you really have a sense of the diversity of the people in our country and of the diversity of content and the issues that are, are affecting them. So I think we've got a long way to go. And, and, and to really experience media freedom, we, um, we really do need skills development, capacity building and funding to ensure that many, many more people can participate in creating media. Um, the media landscape, of course, um, is made up of various aspects. We've got um, television, we've got new media, we've got broadcasting, we've got community media. We have radio, which plays a very significant role in, in the media in this country. And of course, we have print media, um, which, as we know, is really struggling to survive um, in these days of the digital revolution. Um, and what can be done to ensure media diversity? First of all, I think, yeah, again, comes back to training and who is able to, um, to have the access to training to then create media, because the more people that can create media will therefore lead to a more diverse media because people will be speaking from different voices and experiences. Um, and that needs to be accessible to all and not just those who can necessarily afford tertiary education or specific media degrees, etc. I think it is a right um, for all citizens. Thank you, Honorable Fogg. I hope I answered your questions. Uh, thank you. I can check if Honorable Pambo would want to come in. Honorable Pambo. Honorable Pambo. It seems we have a struggle there. May I then go to Honorable Majos in the meantime? Honorable Majos, can you hear? Yes, I'm here, Chairperson. Okay. Yeah. Uh, thank you. Uh, good evening, um, Ms. Perry. Good evening. Um, my question would be um, on the 
on the implementation of new projects funding application process of the MDDA. Um, the, there's where it states that the, the agency will not retain uh, projects on the waiting list. Uh, if you are appointed as a board member, or let's take it now, I, I just want to pick your mind. Um, as a leader uh, of your caliber, do you think that is fair? And um, if you were an MTTA board member now, what would be your take on that one? And um, my second question, Chairperson, I think partly you have answered me, uh, but if you become an MTTA board member, um, I hear you speak uh, passionately about uh, community media platforms, especially you, you speak on the exclusion of uh, disability and LGBTQIA. Uh, but <clears throat> as much as you say that uh, media, uh, community media has a powerful part to play in educating communities, um, I want to, to know that would you support uh, any media, any uh, presentation that will come to you in promoting traditions and culture in our own diverse way as South Africans. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Thank you, Honorable Majosi. I um I didn't understand the first question, so I'm going to ask you if you could possibly just repeat the first question. Um, are you there? Uh, yeah, what, what, what I was asking is, as a leader, that is why I said I'm, I'm picking your mind. As yes. a leader, uh, um, do you think it's fair that there are uh, projects that are on the, on, the, on the waiting list that will not be retained by the MDDA board? So do you think those people, uh, is it fair for them not to retain them back uh, as, as they were on the waiting list? And also, um, how would you take it as if you were appointed as, an, as a board of the MTDA, that would you say that those on the waiting list, then you would put them as the backlog and start with them? Or you would suggest that obviously they will, you, will, you will not retain them as, as waiting list projects and want them to start afresh and uh, on the process of, of of, of applying for the grant uh, funding. Um, thank you, Honorable Majosi. Um, I, I don't I don't see why um, people would have to start the whole process again. I mean, just from what I'm understanding what, of what you're saying, um, surely projects on the waiting list should be attended to since they have gone through the effort of applying. Um, so that's the answer to that. Um, you're referring to tradition and culture. Absolutely. Um, I, for me, for me, for me, I'm not sure where that noise comes from. Um, for me, it's all about everybody, everybody's expression of, of their lives and experiences and why I'm highlighting um, certain groups is simply because those are people you don't see on 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 media, not much anyway. Um, so for me, it, it's a broad, broad, broad landscape where every single story counts. There isn't one story. There's a, there's a multiplicity of voices. 
Um, I'm just merely saying, let's also remember that people with disabilities need to be part of this landscape, for example. But yeah, it's an open landscape. Uh, thank you. Honorable oh, Pambo, I back now. I will then take Honorable Kubega. Honorable Kubega. Thank you very much, Chair. Evening, Mayberry. How are you? Hi, Honorable Rebecca. I'm fine, thank you. Just a bit cold. Cold here in the Eastern Cape. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, 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 welcome uh, to these interviews. And also let me thank you to take an initiative because we've gone through your CV and then we can see that indeed uh, the Bogoto is trying uh, uh, very hard. So mm -hmm. I'm just having only three questions for you. Okay. The first one is that, uh, Meberi, what impact uh, can you bring in this uh, uh, sector uh, that you can convince to say this one, indeed, it's a passion to me in order that I need just to turn around uh, 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 this sector. And then in 2019, uh, the ICASA had to close a number of community radio stations due to severe non-compliance with the rules. Centec also complains about non-payment of the signal distribution fees by some stations. What do you think the MDDA can do to improve the situation? Then the last one is that considering uh, these difficult economic conditions, we find ourselves in as a country which may lead to budget reductions at MDDA. What innovative funding approaches would you suggest for the MDDA going forward? Thank you, Mabel. Thank you, Honorable Kubeka. Um, what I could think of with regard to the impact of the sector um, yeah. and, that I would, and something that I bring besides what I've, I've already expressed is that I've been quite involved in community media myself. So I'm also coming from the other side of, of the fence. Um, I was involved um, in the beginning of Cape Town Television as a program manager. Um, I also served on the board of Media Works. I'm currently serving on the board of Street Stories Films, which broadcasts via community television and, and the internet. Um, so I, and I've done a lot of community video training projects. My most recent project was training young women in Dipsluit on how to make films from their cell phones. So I think I also bring that um, to the sector is to give the perspective of people working within community media, knowing the struggles of, of people um, working within that sector. So I think that's a very important perspective to have. And um, 
to help you turn around the sector. I know the struggles that we faced when I was involved in community media was always about money. Mm. It was always about funding, how we're going to pay Centec. You know, we're not getting enough revenue from advertising. There are all these um, these factors that that really cripple community media to a, to a great degree, and um, and the funding landscape remains difficult, and it's getting more difficult. <laughs> and I agree with that. I'll jump to the to the last question and come back to Ikasa. Um, innovi- innovative funding approaches. Uh, you know, I, I I think that the commercial sector really needs to support community media more. I know it's a struggle, but I do believe that, I don't know, there needs to be maybe some more legislative frameworks around that um, because I really believe that, that they should, the commercial media should be supporting community media without strings attached, you know, that will um, infringe on editorial control in any way. Again, the new media sector um, has avenues for innovative funding um, where, where money can be, can be made um, through internet um, content driven in, on the internet. Uh, and I really think we need to look into new media um, going forward as ways to generate, um, generate income. Of course, there are foundations and um, hopefully one can also lobby government for more funding for this very important sector. Um, because what I understand the last budget was something like 60 million, which is of course um, extremely under-resourced um, for, for such significant um, contribution to our democracy, quite frankly. Um, and you speak about your um, non-compliance and what the MDDA can do about that. I think that there needs again to be more training around what compliance, what compliance requires, so that people are clear that they don't fall into the non-compliance category when they, um, for example, apply for grant funding. Um, people really need to understand that kind of environment because. It's, it's not easy for all community media organizations if they don't, especially if they don't have the right kind of leadership that can ensure that they are compliant. Signal distribution fees and Centec, look, it's a nightmare because it's very, very difficult to stay afloat. Um, and I think that signal distribution fees are far too high and those, those, that really needs to be looked at. Because it's almost as if community media and small commercial media has been suffocated mm-hmm. by these enormous fees. Um, so I, I just think we're making it very, the, the landscape is making it very difficult for community media to survive. Mm-hmm. It's almost as if, you know, there's no real commitment to it. And, and, and that's, that, that, that's a big, big problem. Yeah. Well, thank you. Uh, thank you. Uh, I'm not sure whether, uh, because there is uh, a person with some background, uh, uh, if we can just uh, mute your mic. Uh, Honorable Pambo, I'm not sure if uh, you are back now, uh, but I think uh, Honorable members would have asked questions and those 
would have been answered. Uh, mine is just to be sure that uh, I'm clarified from where I'm sitting on how you've responded on, on a matter that I thought I could I could raise. Uh, maybe just your your views. I've heard how you've answered Honorable Majosi about applications that uh, are on the waiting uh, list and so on. Uh, but what is your view outside of what the MDDA needs to do? Because we just also want to see what you bring in uh, if you were to be to be there. Uh, that do you look at diversity from a point that uh, almost everyone applies to have a community radio station irrespective of what you see in the economy uh, and i think that's one problem and and that's how they end up in a situation where they can't afford to pay centec uh, charges and, and 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 so on right so it's it's important to get your view on that because uh, the assumption is that if you put in an application you expect to get uh, um, maybe a, a community radio license uh, to a point that probably in one district you can have probably four or so uh, and and they become unviable uh, a number of those so I, i'm just saying as as you try to ensure voice mm-hmm. uh, from different uh, sectors of societies there uh, how do you look at balancing creating space for for that voice to be there but again in a sustainable manner um, because then people will get used to that platform but in no time they hear that uh, radio so and so is closing down uh, and and that deprives them of 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 that opportunity to still have their voice heard so that's a point i just wanted to get clear from you uh, as i say outside of just what the norm would be if MTVA implements the law, but your perspective uh, in in that balance. Thank you. Thank you, Honorable Manele. And I think that you raise a very important point, and that is a very, very vital balance to strike between voice being heard and compliance. Um, Yeah, I think that people's applications need to have a very solid business plan a very solid plan for being sustainable so that they're not constantly relying on MDDA funding. Um, And innovation in in the approach of fundraising and how they can even leverage fundraising from the community, for example, small businesses in the community. Um, And obviously good governance. How are they going to... um, ensure that they comply with regulations, that they have proper financial management systems in place. All of that is as important as having your voice heard um, because otherwise we only set people up to fail. And of course, again, capacity building must come in um, so that we can um, assist people um, to run a sustainable community um, station. Um, but of course, I totally agree with you that 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 there needs to be very good good checks and balances in place. Otherwise, it's just like do whatever you know. It's just like do whatever you want to do, and it doesn't matter about the consequences. Um, 
and how you run your organization. It's that matters very, very much. Okay. Um, thanks, uh, honourable members. Uh, as I said, I was struggling to get honourable Pambo. I think uh, from where I'm uh, sitting, majority of the members would have asked uh, questions. Chair. Yeah, is that honourable I'm, I'm, Pambo? Yes, Chair. I'm back and uh, I'm covered, Chair. Yeah, covered. Uh, that's that's good uh, because I didn't want to leave any member out. Uh, so honourable Pambo is covered. Uh, I think that takes us to the end of this interview. Uh, before I actually say it's really closed, I would want to still give you a minute uh, to just say your last point that you'd want to say to the committee. Well, first of all, I want to thank you for giving me this opportunity to for shortlisting me. I, I was really... Um, surprised and 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 very happy when I heard the news. Um, I think I, what I'd leave you with is just that I think that my CV speaks for itself. I think that my CV speaks to someone who is committed to transforming this country, um, to particularly work in the environment of media to ensure an equitable society. And um, the freedom of expression that we all have a right to as enshrined in our constitution. So I hope that um, I will be considered. But if not, then I'm sure um, you will ensure that someone deserving of, of such an important board will be selected. And so I wish you luck with all your proceedings and all the hard work that you do. Um, I know that it's imperative for you to do the selection short in a short period of time, so I can imagine how much pressure you're under. Um, so also, thank you for the work you do in our country. No, thanks, uh, Ms. Perry. Uh, indeed, we also appreciate uh, the opportunity to have you interacted with you. As I said in, the, in my opening remarks, uh, we take it really as an interaction more than just an interview because we also learn from both sides uh, from such an interaction. Uh, the administration uh, will uh, keep in touch with you with regard to any matter that uh, uh, they may have to interact with you. Otherwise, thanks for uh, being with us this uh, evening until this time. Thank you. Thank um, you. Okay. Have a uh, good evening. Thank you. Thank you. Hi, good evening, Chairperson. As we are concluding, I've just uh, requested the next candidate, uh, Mr. Luzukobuku, uh, to join in. I'm just monitoring the screen check quickly to see if his party uh, has been waiting and is uh, ready. I'm just giving him a few minutes because I didn't want him to be part of uh, your closing there. So I'm just uh, giving him a minute to log on. Oh, there he is, Chairperson. He's just joined. He's just joined, Chair. Okay, so uh, uh, evening, evening, uh, evening, sir. Uh, is that Luzuko, Buku or Buku? I just want to pronounce it properly. Uh, unmute your mic. Unmute your mic. Good evening, Chair. And members of the committee, 
The name is Luzuko Buku. Buku, yes. It has a, it has a silent H. Yes. No, then, then my pronunciation is still fine. Uh, Tembingosi. Uh, it's book players. Yes, okay. uh, I said that the age is silent. <laughs> <laughs> okay, no, that's uh, that's fine. Uh, good, uh, good evening, uh, uh, Mr. Pugu. Uh, this is um, a subcommittee of uh, the committee, uh, the portfolio committee on communications in the National Assembly. Uh, the rules of the National Assembly allows the committee to set up a subcommittee that focuses on a specific matter. Uh, the purpose of this committee is very clear, is to look at the appointment process for the MTTA board members, of which you have been nominated for, uh, to participate in this uh, interview. Uh, just uh, to lay the rules, uh, we will give you an opportunity to briefly introduce yourself and you will then uh, move uh, directly to uh, your presentation, uh, which uh, we are going to be a bit strict with time, like all other candidates, um, so that you cover the points you want to cover in a short space of time. Uh, the members will also have an opportunity to ask you questions, and in the five minutes we've allocated to a member, uh, it will be the questions as well as affording you an opportunity to respond uh, in those uh, in that five minutes. Uh, without a waste of time, uh, just for purposes of record, I will introduce uh, the other members so that as they engage with you, uh, you'll be familiar with them uh, quicker. Uh, we have Honorable Kubeka. We have Honorable McKenzie. Uh, we have Honorable Machuzi. Got uh, Honorable Pambo. Got uh, Honorable Faku. Uh, we we have Honorable Thomas Kumbu. Um, also, myself, uh, as you would see, I'm uh, Manili. Honorable Manil uh, as the chair of the session. Um, but of course, uh, you will then be able to adjust uh, to to attach the face uh, to to the members now that I've I've introduced them. Uh, so they will ask questions only after a presentation. Uh, please feel welcome. Uh, relax. This is an interaction. We hope to learn a few things from you. And I'm sure you'd also learn a few things from the panel uh, as we engage. Um, I take it that uh, uh, Mr. you are ready. Uh, I'm not sure whether the document you will share from your side or you'll be assisted by the support uh, staff, Tempinkosi. Uh, is, it, is it you who's going to share? Yes, I will assist uh, in sharing the document. Sharing the document, okay. No, no then uh, I will, without waste of time, Mr. Book, uh, give you an opportunity to introduce yourself to the panel, and then that is the presentation. Over to you. Uh, thank you very much, Chair, and good evening to yourself and to the members of the committee. Uh, the name is Luzuko Buku. 
currently I work as a speech writer and spokesperson for the executive mayor of Buffalo City. And uh, I've been an activist in the higher education space and also in the media space. I've been an activist having a background in education uh, in the media space. Chair, let me get to the presentation. It's on the role of the Media Development and Diversity Agency. That's the outline, Chair, of uh, the, the, the presentation. Chair, as a background, the MTDA is a statutory development agency responsible for promoting media development and diversity. Uh, it, is, it was birthed by the MTDA Act of 2002, which set its legislative mandate. The Act codifies the partnership between the South African government and major media companies uh, with the intention of injecting diversity in the sector through supporting uh, small uh, community and commercial media. The organization is governed by a board uh, and the executive authority is the minister in the presidency. In the presidency. Previously, it was under the Ministry of Communications. Of course, it accounts to the Portfolio Committee of Communications. The organization was based by the realization that the South African media landscape reflected serious levels of concentration in terms of ownership. Uh, in as uh, much as there have been some changes in terms of content and ownership since the organization's founding, the media landscape is still dominated by five major media groups, Media 24, Casting, Independent Media, Arena, and uh, the SAPC, with some other media organizations as well playing a, a part in creating that concentration. Uh, there is therefore a role to, to be played by the MTDA in actively diversifying media ownership and giving voice to previously disadvantaged uh, communities as defined by the Act. And this role becomes even more critical in the fourth industrial revolution as this period opens more opportunities for um, community media, thus diversification. Uh, the, 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 the slide uh, next is just a, a, a highlight of how that uh, picture looks. The organization has had some achievements uh, since its founding, founded 156 community stations, four TV stations, uh, 53 print projects, uh, 53 community print projects and 93 small commercial print projects. But the management and governance challenges characterize many of these projects. And many of these projects have not been able to reach profitability, thus leading them to require funding from the entity again. Now, the organization has not also been doing well enough in driving and lobbying for a transformed media. And it has not created sufficient partnership within the sector, the business community, and across society. Now, the strategic approach that the organization drives this vision is through a clean and effective administration. It's five-pronged funding to community media, partnership, public awareness, and advocacy, community media capacity and sector development, innovation, and research. These five pillars are reflected in the design of its programs, but they are not reflected in the board committees and its organizational structure. The public and partnership, uh, the, the partnerships and advocacy function, for instance, 
uh, is not reflected in the structure and this presents obvious challenges for end-to-end accountability and i believe that this is something that the board needs to look into and that's the structure that i'm speaking about Chair. the in terms of a, a human human capital management the organization has 39 position in this staff establishment and 26 of these have been filled uh, obviously then the organization has a high vacancy rate with the highest staff turnover of about 42 percent and this is a matter that i believe the board needs to look at considering matters such as the performance culture and various other organizational cultural factors in terms of uh, financing the organization is financed uh, through state subsidies uh, broadcast licenses annual turnover and grants but it has had challenges since the in terms of receiving grants from the print and digital media sector ever since it withdrew from funding it. Uh, it is uh, regulated through the Public Finance Management Act. And whilst the organization faces funding challenges and lists this, uh, this as part of a strategic risk, its organizational structure does not reveal its actions, the actions that it is taking in this regard. It does not have a model of fundraising and using strategic partnership. And I believe this is an area that the board needs to look into. And I believe that seeking alternative forms of funding from the state is essential due to the stress on the fiscal by a number of factors, which now include COVID-19. Looking into the future chair, I believe that there needs to be a transformed way that the organization approaches funding and that the organization should be able to also purely fund digital media uh, initiatives. The organization such as online blogging, video on demand, live streaming, and uh, online video channels, and a host of other activities. So the organization has been focused on an interpretation of diversity, which means giving voice uh, to uh, the marginalized and to the disadvantaged. And I feel that it is also time for you to consider diversifying in terms of media platforms, thus expanding voice. This will uh, for sure benefit young people who are interested and who are operating in the digital space. Uh, thank you, Chair Diabulela. Thank you, uh, uh, Mr. Uh, I will now allow honorable members uh, to ask uh, questions, starting with Honorable uh, Kumbu, followed by Honorable McKinsey, followed by Honorable Faku, Honorable Pambo, Honorable Machozi, and Honorable Kubeka, in that uh, order. Uh, Honorable Kumbu. Thank you, Chairperson. Uh, just one question from now. Can you, can you hear me, Chairperson? Chair, we, 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 we want to hear and see you. Thank oh. you, Honorable Kumbu. You, you can proceed. see me now? Yes, <laughs> proceed. Okay, just one uh, question for now. Uh, uh, good evening, uh, Mr. Zuko. Good evening, good evening, Honorable Kumbu. <laughs> I'm well, I'm well. I hope you're fine as well. I'm also good. Um, 
just one question for now. Uh, just, uh, just want to find out what will be your uh, your proposals on how uh, uh, the MDDA can remain relevant uh, 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 financially uh, and uh, uh, look, just bear with me. Let me, yeah. What will be your proposal on how the MDDA? Can re remain relevant uh, and financially uh, sustainable in the digital era, in this digital era. Uh, can I respond, Shane? Yes. Uh, thank you. Thank you very much, honourable member. Uh, I, for one, believe that the MTDA should uh, invest in a lot of strategic partnerships in uh, advocacy and in lobbying. This will uh, position it as a thought leader uh, in the media uh, space, uh, something that I believe is not the case at, at the present moment. Of course, it is trying. Now, uh, this will make it easy for it to lead discussions uh, and uh, processes, both in terms of policy and in terms of uh, methods going forward. Uh, for digital media transformation because as it happens the digital media transformation has been the digital media penetration and uh, growth has been mainly led by the already established uh, companies and there are no substantial new ventures that have been assisted by the NTDA. Of course there are some uh, entrepreneurial initiatives that have been done by some entrepreneurs, but the bulk of the digital work has been done outside the efforts of the MTDA. So the MTDA need to be deliberate, be purposeful, and fund those digital media initiatives going into the future. Thanks. Thank you. And and sorry, Chair, on on the sorry on the on the aspect around financially. A financially relevant. Uh, of course, it was asked in relation to digital media. The, I believe that broadly, the the, the organisation also uh, should have a basket of uh, these ideas and proposals uh, from uh, the the mid the, the community media sector, and it should uh, call out. Uh, these innovations and it should be a a a, a bank of uh, these innovations and fund them to propel them uh, going forward thanks Chair. thank you honorable kumbu uh, you can mute your mic right so that okay. we don't hear the backgrounds okay I then take Honourable McKenzie. Thank you, Chairperson. Um, good evening, Mr. Bukri. Thanks very much for coming through. And sorry to keep you waiting. I mean, I've done interviews in my time, and five minutes is an hour, so half an hour must have been an eternity. But uh, thank you for coming through, and thanks for your presentation. Um, in your presentation, you, you, you made a distinction between commercial and community media. 
Can you just tell me what you mean by the two of these? Um, what 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 you would call commercial media in an MDDA sense, what you would call commercial media and what you would call community media, and whether you would approach these two streams, if you like, as a board member with a different perspective and what that perspective would be in terms of funding or sustainability or any of those topics. Um, then given our, uh, and the colleagues have alluded to this, our um, uh, our economic troubles at the moment, and we're not alone, we're, the whole world is, is in that position. If I was the president and I was to say to you, Mr. Booker, I will appoint you to the board, um, but I actually want you to get rid of this MDDA. Do you think the MDDA could operate as a desk within GCIS and still do this role effectively? And if not, why not? Um, Shame, I'm, I hope I'm not giving you tough questions. I think I am. And I'm not, <laughs> I just want to get your, your thinking. Um, and then lastly, you said you talked about actively diversifying media ownership. You know, and I've watched with some interest how, uh, especially in print media, we've seen dramatic changes in ownership. And if we look at independent, we've got the Chinese government owns a, a slice, the PIC owns a slice, Dr. Serva owns a slice, and these are the major titles in our country. These are titles that you will be competing with directly. So. By actively, when you talk about actively diversifying media, and let's look at the TV stations as well. Our biggest TV station is, of course, SABC, which is owned by 60 million of us. Um, when you talk about actively diversifying that ownership, could you just explain what you mean by that? What, what I'd be interested to know, if I came to you um, with the funding application for Radio Orania, this little community that I've got, established somewhere in the Northern Cape that speaks one language and has one culture and we would like a radio station. How would you, uh, uh, how would you view that kind of application? Thank you, Chairperson. Over to you. Uh, uh, thank you very much, uh, Chair, and thank you very much, uh, Honorable uh, McKenzie, for those uh, questions. Just as a distinction on community and uh, commercial and how I would approach them, uh, the community media is usually owned by a trust that is existing to serve a particular a community. Uh, it will define itself either as a geographic community or it's a community of people with shared uh, ideas. Now, those uh, uh, people are people to consider they need voice. The commercial, uh, small commercial media can also represent a community, but usually it is owned by a private uh, entity with the sole intention of uh, using its profit for the benefit of uh, the private uh, owners. But also such an organization uh, can provide voice to the voiceless because it can structure itself in such a way as to represent a particular community, but in relation to it, it is not uh, often the case. So it will require a, a, a thorough a, a check at what the organization represents and uh, what uh, it, it seeks to achieve. Uh, 
uh, with its application. And uh, I would uh, consider such in relation uh, to funding. So I would not take a, a blanket decision that says uh, either or. I don't think that uh, this is something that must be made to compete against each other. And uh, if you look at the, the funding of the MTTA itself, it has uh, funded more of the small commercial uh, organization than the community uh, media, at least in the print uh, space. On the desk in GCIS, I, I believe that it would be, it, it is ideal to have an organization, a statutory board such as the MTTA, to have some level of independence and credibility of process. Now, to attach it to an organization that is responsible for uh, public relations and communication in government would be a, a dent uh, to uh, such a, a, a credibility. Now, it is therefore important to continue to have such an organization so that it can strategically engage uh, the media uh, sector. Chair, on uh, the funding uh, on on the on, on the question of the 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 the, the organization the, the the sustainability and the the third question the my view is that these organizations the SAPC uh, NASPAS Media Twenty Four Arena and so on whilst there have been changes in ownership they have stick to the titles and they've uh, remained represent representatives of uh, certain uh, groupings they have a particular lsm that they target uh, even in their targeting so what is important is to uh, infuse some energy because they are not they are going to resist obviously uh, because they are commercial entities, they exist to make profit. But if you were to fund the community media organizations and capacitate them and ensure that they are sustainable, then you will diversify the sector, at least in terms of a voice and representation and representing the marginalized. And then in terms of uh, the station for Orania, in my view, every voice in South Africa and needs to be reflected, needs to be ahead. Uh, its correctness and also maybe some of its uh, shortcomings. And if we can have a situation where there are people sitting in a corner and not being re represented, it means that we will be living in a South Africa that is not properly diverse in terms of shaping the national agenda and the national discourse. So such views ought uh, to be uh, represented and ought to be uh, put before uh, uh, the judgment seat of reason. Thanks. Thank you, Honorable Mackenzie. I'll now take Honorable Faku. Thank you, Chairperson. Uh, good evening, Mr. Puka. How are you? I'm well, I'm well, Honorable Faku. I hope you are well as well. <laughs> I'm well, it's just cold where I am. Uh, thank you for your presentation and thank you for uh, coming to the interviews. I know that within the short period of time for you to, pre uh, to prepare, 
such a powerful presentation. One appreciate that. Um, let me get to my question, Mr. Booker. My first question is, how can MDDA facilitate for all role players to avoid duplication and enhance monitoring and compliance? You know, in the industry, there's a lot of duplication. So my question is basically based on that. And my second question will be, how is media literacy and e-literacy important for quality for equality of citizenship? And what could be the role of MDDA in promoting community media? Those are my questions. Thank you. Uh, thank you very much, uh, Honorable Member, and thanks, Chair. I believe that in as much as uh, it can be interpreted as a duplication, the importance of availability of a number of uh, voices uh, in the media sector uh, is uh, important. Uh, the initiatives of what people want to frame uh, their media organizations and their the standpoint where they come from can, is something that can never be really regulated. So you are likely to have uh, such duplications. Obviously, because on the commercial side, they compete for the same eyes of, they, they compete for the same advertiser and, and they need the same audience uh, that the advertiser needs. But what is important is for the MTTA is to channel funding to ensure that those sectors that are not represented are eventually represented and are reflective uh, of our uh, media space. And in terms of media literacy and uh, a media campaign, I believe that the, the organization ought to uh, play a role through leveraging these partnerships with the media organization for media organizations to partner with media organizations to lead the literacy campaigns. I don't believe that the literacy, the media literacy campaigns are campaigns that can be purely led by such as a, a small organization as the MTTA, but it can have a, 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 a partnership agreements with a media organization for a, a such, because the media plays an important role in society in forming the views of citizens uh, for them to better participate uh, in democracy. And the MTTA is uh, crucial uh, in playing that role. But it can't play it alone. It has to work with institutions of higher learning and uh, uh, the existing media organizations and the NGO sector broadly. Thanks, thanks Honorable Member. Thank you, Honorable Faku. May I then go to Honorable Pambo to check if he's got uh, any questions to ask? Thank you, Chair. Well, uh, I think for me, it's more of a uh, provocation. And perhaps I uh, would like to hear more um, from him in his understanding of what diversity and duplication in this instance, you know, when juxtaposed, how would he think of it, especially with the example that has been given by, you know, Mr. McKenzie in relation to what is Orania there? 
um, if at all you think that diversity means, uh, you know, many, you know, voices um, in the sense that, we, you know, if we are to think of ourselves as, um, you know, me, uh, you know, community media, for example, if we're all concentrated in one environment, let's say uh, Orania, for example, okay, let's speak plain. It's an African, uh, you know, speaking community, which would have an African radio station. This is the same sort of, uh, you know, community that, you know, of course, defines itself different from what may be a radio station in um, Soweto, for example. Now, um, do you then give to Orania, knowing very well that Orania is duplicated in many ways in South Africa, um, as opposed to what may perhaps be a, you know, a, what you call diversity, you say, we need many voices in that instance. Um, would you continue to say, you know, uh, there is a clash in how you explain that, in how I, perhaps I have understood you should be saying that, you know, duplication does not really, uh, you know, um, cut out or dispel uh, diversity. So I think I would like to hear you speak more on your philosophy uh, of, of how you would like to see media and how you would see the development and diversity of uh, of uh, of you know uh, uh, media in general. Thanks, Chair. Uh, uh, Mr. Bo- uh, thank you very much, Chair. Chair, uh, the the freedom of expression in the country enshrined uh, in the constitution. Now a a there are various communities that are existing uh, in the country uh, and that have been allowed uh, by law uh, to uh, continue to exist. And I understand the provocation regarding the question of Orania, but Orania, but what any station that can be formed in such a community uh, should do, should be in line with the constitution should be within the freedom of expression uh, a, a, a mode, but should not violate uh, the constitution. What I'm saying is you don't need to have communities in the country that do not have voice, that do not have expressions. Whether correct or incorrect, we believe their views or their forms of living uh, is. What is important is to give a such a uh, communities a voice. Uh, now, what is important still is to ensure that we don't allow uh, the question of language and promoting language and diversity in terms of language uh, in the stations to uh, bring us back to an era of uh, tribalism and ethnic chauvinism. Uh, that's why the MDDA needs to be careful and balance uh, this in as much as it uh, issues out funding to such organization, it needs to properly uh, monitor them to ensure that they do not uh, fall out of the prescripts of the constitution. And uh, if it's a community station, uh, the Broadcast Act. Thanks, John. Thank you. Uh, we will now move to Honorable Machos. Honorable Machos. Yes, Chairperson. 
Thank you, Chair. Um, mine is Wang. Uh, firstly, let me greet uh, Mr. Luzuko Puku. And my chairperson would be on 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 the issue of um, if uh, let's say you become the board member of the MTPA, how can you encourage young people? What elements will you bring to encourage them to bring their uh, project applications for the grant funding? As it is stated in the media release of the MTTA, that uh, this has highlighted the urgent need for a more targeted approach by the MTTA to requesting project funding applications. And what other ways will you use to make sure that people know about the MTTA and they know that they can actually get the grant funding for the community? Uh, media uh, uh, platforms. Thank you. Uh, thank you very much, uh, honorable member and chair. Uh, the, the MTDA has an infrastructure which is the community stations and the community media that it uh, supports. Already that is uh, an enough infrastructure for it to a better market uh, is programs and is called uh, for application. The organization I'm proposing should also call out small-scale digital media projects that young people can easily do uh, without a, a, a lot of uh, financial capital as you would need, for instance, in, in setting up a community radio station and, or in setting up a print project that require printing uh, a course. So it would be ideal to uh, uh, take that approach, but also uh, utilize the digital uh, uh, media uh, uh, platforms. And I am of the view as well that in as much as systems can be created, uh, of course, I don't know the staff, the detailed staff profile of the organization. The organization should also inject not only in its board, but in the administration itself, a young people that will be able to better create new ideas uh, to uh, inject energy and have a connection with other young people uh, across a society. Thanks, And now we invite Honorable Kubeka. Thank you, Honorable Marshall. Honorable Kubeka. Uh, thank you, Chair. Babulu Zuko, Kunjani. The appeal and the Honorable Member, Kunjani Kue. And the Pilile Mshegas. I've got just only three questions that I would like to ask to you, uh, Babulu Zuko. Because I can see, it seems as if you, you'll be a savior of MDDA. Mandi Jonga, apa ku CV yako. Yazicho. It doesn't need uh, yourself to say anything, even if you can be quiet. So, firstly, Mshegas, uh, I would like just to know uh, what is lacking in MDDA that maybe you can deliver 
for our communities, especially in this era of, of COVID-19. And also what expertise that can you bring to this sector in order that to, you, you, you can uplift it? And the last question, Mclegas, with a decline in print media consumption and a move towards digitization, what do you think the MDDA outlook towards community print funding should be? Uh, thank you uh, very much, uh, Honorable Member. Uh, starting with the last question, the community print uh, print media uh, is still going to uh, exist. Of course, it can be uh, facing a decline, but uh, in my view and in, uh, in, in terms of a various species of research, uh, it is still going to exist. The, one of the options of introducing digital media has always been uh, through uh, existing uh, print uh, publications. Of course, the MTDA does not need to necessarily focus on uh, funding, again, the print publication for their digitization and so on, but it can look into other organizations as well. But I believe that the, the, the future where the organization should, the, the future that the organization should look into is that of a hybrid uh, model, which still appreciates the, 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 the print form of a, a newspaper or a media consumption while injecting uh, uh, some uh, uh, stimulus into uh, the digital uh, space, which will obviously bring in a number of young uh, uh, people for their obvious advantage uh, in the uh, digital arena. Uh, in terms of what I would be offering uh, in the organization, I believe that I am uh, grounded at least in the higher education uh, sector, having been an activist and, and uh, a, a practitioner and a governance member in the higher education space, uh, to, I will be better able to then link the organization uh, to uh, various uh, players uh, in the higher education sector, because as it stands, I don't believe that it is leverage, leveraging enough uh, of those uh, existing institutions in order for it to expand uh, its role. It only interacts with uh, academics as consultants. And the moment uh, it is uh, like that, the, the, the relationship will be uh, uh, high and heavy on the budget, but it will not really make an, uh, an impact. And some of the studies that are undertaken will be viewed in the light that they were funded uh, by the MTTA. Now, the organization needs to fund independent research projects by uh, institutions of higher learning and uh, academics. And now this will uh, boost its lobbying uh, and advocacy. Coming to your, to your first question, which is something that I believe is lacking 
uh, in uh, the organization. It's uh, partnerships, uh, uh, lobbying, uh, and advocacy. If you look at the structure in the entire organization, it seems to be uh, uh, biased towards uh, dispersing funding, managing funding. Now, it exists, it, it, this, this makes it to exist as an, a lowly organization in a corner. Uh, managing applications and dispersing funding. Even its finance functions does not give effect to approaching uh, other parties, uh, other funders internationally and uh, in the Republic who can assist the organization to carry out its uh, uh, mandate of media development and diversity. So leveraging those relationships in the higher education sector, I would be able to better advise the organization on uh, who to approach uh, in that regard. Thanks. Thanks, Honorable Kubeka. I'm sure your questions have been very uh, I think for me, uh, it's 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 really to just pick up where I I, I think. Uh, I didn't capture it well as I take uh, my notes from what members would have raised. Uh, just again on what Honorable uh, Majozo would have raised about encouraging young people and so on to apply. Uh, the reality we are dealing with at this point in time uh, is that yes, uh, diversity in terms of voices uh, but the current reality is that many of these uh, uh, community radio stations receive uh, licenses, they operate, but collapse um, in, in the process. So whilst you call for more applications, there's still an issue about uh, sustainability. And, and therefore, besides what uh, MTTA would do under normal circumstances, but what is your perspective so that we understand what you bring in uh, yourself that can change that uh, that situation around. Uh, so I think it's important to uh, still speak to that. But I think you are raising an interesting point about international funding and 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 so on. Uh, just to take back the Orania uh, discussion that has been going on. Uh, there's also that worry with international funding as to the influence you have to culture and and other things in in different states. And maybe you can also uh, say what's your take on that. I'm sure uh, you understand that sometimes funding has got strings attached. That's what I'm talking to. Um, which then influences uh, culture differently and, and so on. So in that context, yeah. Uh, thank you very much, uh, Chair. Uh, starting with that question, the point that I was making is was in relation to leveraging uh, some of the relationships. If the MTDA was properly uh, leveraged and at uh, proper reach and participating in various fora, it would uh, form uh, partnerships uh, even with uh, people that can be uh, referred to or countries that can be referred to as uh, progressive uh, countries in the interpretation of uh, 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 
South Africa in this uh, approach to international relations, the BRICS countries. Now, but also there are multilateral institutions that the country uh, participates uh, in, uh, which have uh, for many years have had a funding uh, that is uh, for uh, the promotion of uh, media development and for uh, literacy uh, overall. So I don't think that it would be ideal to take a a blanket negative outlook uh, to such uh, partnerships. But of course, uh, what you are raising is uh, correct. You need to be careful and guarded uh, when uh, entering them. And in terms of uh, the collapsing of the stations, what is needed, in my view, is community ownership and capacity development, which is not just purely done by the MTTA. The MTTA can lead it, but it needs to create a whole a lot of partnerships across uh, the sector. And I think this is the proposal also that comes out strongly in the print and digital uh, media transformation uh, 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 process that was done in uh, 2013, that you need to have uh, various uh, local authorities, uh, institutions of higher learning in various localities and NGOs supporting uh, community stations in an effort led uh, by uh, the MTTA. Now, the MTTA, if it is not focusing on its uh, partnerships and uh, lobbying and advocacy function, that part is going to lag. It will then lead to the current situation where in the few staff that it has, uh, it has to go and monitor uh, most of these stations, which, uh, in my view, looking at the staff, it is clearly a, a, a it, it, it is likely to be a paper exercise looking at the monthly reports and so on. So there needs to be community ownership uh, and the involvement of uh, various uh, players, uh, even in the boards of these uh, organizations. Thanks, Chair. Thank you, uh, Mr. Buku. Uh, I, I think all members uh, now have had an opportunity to interact with you. I'll give you a minute uh, before I formally close uh, uh, this interview uh, for you to make the point you'd want to make uh, as a departing point uh, to the committee. Uh, Thank you very much, Chair. Uh, As a departing point uh, to the committee, uh, I know I've uh, served in, uh, in the can- I've, I've served in the Council on Higher Education, a structure similar to uh, the MTTA in terms of its uh, 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 independence uh, uh, requisite. Uh, Whilst there's a structure as a statutory body for the higher education sector, I believe that it gives me enough experience and exposure in the governance of a structure. Uh, such as the national, that, such as the MTTA. So, being given this opportunity, I would, uh, if I, would, I were to be given this opportunity, I would uh, uh, contribute having uh, this background 
that I've outlined. Also, uh, with the energy of youth, I believe that I uh, will be able to contribute in at least uh, getting the organization to focus also on uh, young people who are uh, who constitute the base of the unemployed uh, in uh, in the country. Uh, so, but I believe Chair, that uh, the organization itself should be uh, uh, independent, uh, impartial, and without a fear or uh, a prejudice. And it should uh, try to diversify. Uh, the media sector of South Africa so that they, it gives the people of the country enough capacity to participate in democratic decision making and in living their lives. Thanks, Chair. So thank you, uh, Mr. Puku, and thanks for interacting with, uh, with us. Uh, as you said, it's an interaction. Uh, we learn from you. And I'm sure you have also learned from questions of members. The administration will be the one that gets in touch with you, as they have been uh, doing, uh, for any clarities that uh, you may need uh, beyond uh, the interview. Uh, otherwise, thanks for making time uh, this evening. Honorable McKenzie has already done that part of saying the patience is also appreciated. Uh, thanks. Um, Thank you very much. Thank you. Hi, good, uh, good evening, Chair. Good evening, Honorable Members. Uh, Mr. Bugwe just left us. We are now joined by Ms. Sibusisiwe Chimombe. Uh, if you notice, she appears as uh, Ms. Poshia Mopela. That is her, our candidate, uh, Ms. Sibusisiwe Chimombe, who's been patiently waiting. Uh, and then we have one more candidate that will come after Ms. Chimombe for the day, Chair. So over to you. Thank you, Chair. Uh, Ms. Chimombe, I hope you are uh, hearing us uh, properly. We have had some glitches before. I'm sure you can hear. Um, let, let me take the opportunity again of uh, firstly appreciating that uh, you've been patiently waiting. Uh, we've had some delays uh, earlier with the committee uh, meeting, uh, but this is um, a subcommittee uh, of uh, the Portfolio Committee on Communications. Uh, the National Assembly rules allow that we can set up a subcommittee to focus on a particular matter. So the focus of this committee is the appointment process for the MTTA uh, board members, uh, which you've been nominated for, uh, and that's why you are appearing before us. So please feel uh, welcomed, uh, relax. We take this more as an interaction. Uh, from that interaction, surely we'll all draw uh, lessons from that interaction. Uh, you from honorable members' questions, but as well as would learn a few things from your your answers. Um, so once again, as I say, just uh, uh, feel comfortable that you are engaging uh, with the with the members, and and therefore the way we will proceed. I will quickly introduce the members. After introducing the members, 
I will then uh, allow you an opportunity to introduce yourself briefly and infuse uh, your presentation uh, in the introduction uh, that you will do. And thereafter, we'll then get members to ask uh, questions. Uh, we are looking at five minutes max uh, per member. Uh, uh, but if anything less, that's still fine, but maximum five. And in that five minutes, it includes you having the opportunity to respond to the questions that have, would have been asked by a particular uh, member. Uh, without waste of time, we have Honorable Kubeka. Um, Honorable Kubeka. Okay, yeah, that's Honorable Kubeka. We have Honorable uh, McKenzie. We have Honorable Faku. We have Honorable uh, Pambo. We have Honorable Majuzi. We have Honorable Thomas Kumbu. Uh, we also have uh, myself here as the chair, Honorable Maneli. Uh, so these are members that will be interacting with you. Uh, Ms. Chimombe, I now welcome you uh, to introduce yourself to the subcommittee members here present. Uh, and then yes, to your presentation. May I just check uh, with administration, is it going to be yourself sharing the presentation or Ms. Chimombe I'm is doing it? I'm going to attempt to do it as I was saying to uh, Mr. Ngoma. This is, uh, I'm, I'm not very familiar with the Microsoft Teams, but I'll make an attempt to do the yeah, presentation Mr. myself. Mr. Is, is, is there to assist uh, so that uh, it facilitates uh, uh, the session quicker. Uh, maybe whilst you are doing your introduction, uh, you will then help to upload immediately uh, so that we maximize the time. Yes, um, okay. Mombe, over to you. Okay, thank you very much, Chair, and uh, um, good evening to the rest of the honorable members. Uh, my name is Busichi Mombe. Uh, I'm a journalist. I am currently working at the SAPC. Um, yes, and uh, I've been in the profession for about 20 years, well, over 20 years, uh, and I'd be very keen to uh, explore further what kind of uh, possibilities uh, one can, um, and what, what kind of assistance one can uh, make in different in, in another sector of the media. Uh, I'll go ahead with my presentation now. Uh, if I can have the first slide. <coughs> um, as you know, it's to do with the role of the media, of the MDGA. And uh, for me, the Media Development and Diversity Agency, there's five important roles, which are the promotion of democracy, social cohesion, good governance, capacity building, uh, and research and advocacy. Can I go to the next slide? In terms of the promotion of democracy, you're very well aware that the media constitutes the fourth estate in the architecture of any democracy, which uh, uh, includes the executive, the legislature, and the judiciary. And uh, the role of the media in, the demo in democracy is to ensure that uh, the, citizenry, the citizenry is properly informed so that they can make informed choices about how they are governed. So in terms of the MDDA's uh, mission, uh, role, 
um, the, the MDG's AIDS mission in creating an enabling environment for media development and diversity fulfills a constitutional imperative which is central to the functioning of a democracy. In continuing with the promotion of democracy role, uh, we know that South Africa's democracy is built on the 1996 constitution and the mandate of uh, the MTTA comes from section 16A, which basically talks about the right to freedom of expression, freedom uh, of the press and other media. And the MTTA therefore is the statutory body which gives concrete expression to the section of the constitution and from which the organization itself derives its mandate. Uh, can I go to the next slide? Mr. Ngoma. Hello, Mr. Ngoma. Mr. Ngoma. It says next slide. Yeah. Yeah, okay. I am on that slide. Uh... Sure, I am oh, on the slide. Okay. Oh, sorry. Uh, you need to go to the previous yeah. slide. Thank Please. you. Uh, in terms of the second role of the MDGA, uh, I would say it's the promotion of social cohesion. So basically, the MDGA was formed uh, um, with a view to making sure that there's redress of uh, the apartheid era situation in which uh, access to information was limited, information itself was distorted and was conveyed in a, in quotation marks, foreign language in many cases, where people uh, received uh, official news, but not in languages that they, they, they themselves understood or were their mother tongue. So in terms of uh, facilitating social cohesion, the MDDA facilitates, facilitates access to information uh, to communities in far-flung areas that have been under-resourced in terms of their access uh, to, to media organizations. Organizations and it also supports community and small uh, media organizations, which act as the proverbial campfire, which promotes indigenous languages and culture, as stated in the MDD Act itself, in terms of one of its objectives. The MDDA also supports uh, community media and small commercial media uh, in promoting different platforms that are for diverse groups and uh, communities, whether these be racial, religious, ethnic, language, and uh, of uh, different sexual orientations. And this is to ensure that these groups have a voice and uh, expression is given to their concerns and aspirations. And as a result, um, this promotes social inequality uh, where we don't have a situation where we have um, a narrow, powerful interests basically dominating the discourse in the country. And it also allows the media to be more reflective of the population with which it serves. And in terms of social cohesion, lastly, I would say the MDDA allows for grassroots issues that are not likely to be covered by large media organizations uh, to, to be aired and ventilated on uh, different platforms. Now, in terms of the third role of the MDDA would be the promotion of good governance um, these uh, these small community stations, these small media organizations, can be can act as um, town halls to basically ventilate local issues. It enables it also enables the formation of partnerships between civil society organizations, the community, local authority, in resolving local uh, 
challenges, providing a platform for all players in a particular community to come together and uh, actually resolve certain issues. If we can go to the next slide. It also enables, it's also a way of uh, enabling the MDDA would enable these organizations, these community, um, these community media organizations. Uh, it allows for them to become a feedback loop for, for local authorities on service delivery. So in terms of, uh, you know, the talk shows that you have on these community um, radio stations and uh, TV stations discussing what are some of the, the issues that are facing and the challenges that are facing uh, the community, then um, local officials and municipalities can pick these up as a way of using this to improve their service delivery uh, record. And uh, uh, perhaps lastly, in terms of uh, promoting local uh, politics, and we see this particularly when it comes to the, to the elections, it allows um, uh, the MGDA uh, assist in allowing... Uh, can you hear me? Can I continue? Please continue. Okay, thank you. In terms of local policy, we normally see a situation where, um, uh, especially in local government elections, we see a lot of uh, uh, people voting for large political parties, and this is simply because uh, they don't actually know some of their local leaders, which is why university uh, independence being actually um, elected in these uh, local government elections. So um, in the MTTA actually assisting in uh, these community stations, what can happen is that people can familiarize themselves with uh, their leaders in that particular community, thereby improving governance. The fourth role of the MTTA is that it assists in strengthening the capacity and sustainability of, small of, of the small media sector and uh, uh, community stations uh, in terms of uh, offering funds, subsidies, indirect and uh, non-indirect subsidies, uh, giving money for training and research uh, and for uh, capacity building uh, journalists and also in terms of other management functions, training other management functions, for instance, uh, uh, distribution, how distribution is done, marketing, uh, that sort of thing. Uh, basically making these uh, organizations more sustainable and strengthening them. And then uh, also it brings together practitioners uh, in the different, uh, in, 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 in the sector, allowing them to network uh, with each other to facilitate learning and best practice. I would say the last of the NGDA's role would be advocacy. So through the, 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 the grants that they give for research and for uh, training, uh, it allows for issues pertaining to media development and diversity uh, to, 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 to actually be, uh, to, to conscientize citizens around some of those, those issues. Uh, that is the end of my presentation. Thank you for your attention uh, and yeah. I'm done with my presentation. Yeah, thank you, uh, Ms. Shimombe. Uh, I will now allow honorable members to ask uh, questions in the order we've been following. Uh, honorable Mas Kumbu, 
followed by Honorable McKenzie, Honorable Faku, Honorable Pambo, Honorable Majosi, and Honorable Kubeka. Honorable Kukumbu. Thank you, Chairperson. And uh, good evening to Mr. Mombe. Can you hear me? Good evening. Yes, I can hear you clearly, sir. I hope you are doing well. Eh? I'm doing fine. Oh, you're fine. Uh, just uh, two questions uh, for you. Uh, in terms of your presentation, you are, uh, I think you are a journalist by profession, right? Yes, I am. You are. So now, just tell me how old your your knowledge and uh, experience of journalism uh, will contribute in changing the MDDA, and uh, and why? That, that that's the first question. Uh, the second question, uh, if you can just share with us. Uh, your understanding of the grant funding by the MDDA and how it is uh, disinvested. Uh, thank you, Jim. All right. Um, in terms of um, my knowledge as a journalist, I mean, one of the things about, um, as I said, I have uh, worked in the, in the journalism sector for uh, 20 years, and uh, the fact that the recipients and the clients of the MDDA are actually media organizations, whether they are print, uh, whether they're TV or radio stations, whether, and, and small uh, commercial organizations. So in terms of the work that they actually do, because I have experience in um, the, 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 the processes that are involved, I think I would be able to give, I would be able to, to bring a lot to bear in terms of what it is that I, I, I would be able to offer. For instance, the whole idea of uh, selection in terms of evaluating and adjudication in terms of some of these projects to see whether they have to be viable, sustainable, uh, I would be able to do that because I actually understand the business. So I think that's what I would be able uh, to bring to, 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 to the party. But besides that, uh, I uh, before I worked at the SABC, I actually worked at the Cape Metropolitan Council and I was involved in the disbursement of funds for local economic development uh, uh, at that um, when um, that local authority uh, basically got that uh, mandate around 96, 97. So I'm actually familiar with um, the, the principles of uh, grant funding, uh, and I think I would be able to bring that to bear. Uh, but in terms of your second question, going to a little bit more detail, um, my understanding of the grant funding is that uh, it is for um, community um, media. It's also for the people who are eligible for it. It's also for uh, small commercial uh, entities. It's for uh, online and uh, news organizations. And it's also for research and capacity building. And there are different uh, types of um, uh, grant funding that happens. Is a direct grant funding uh, for things like for operational costs, things like seed funding, once-off seed funding. Uh, but there's also the kind of uh, direct uh, uh, grant funding that is actually given, where uh, different organisations are leveraged, whether it be 
um, uh, banks and that sort of thing to to give low interest rates, uh, low transmission costs in terms of um, of, of of signal for these uh, for for these entities. Um, so it, it differing in in, in, um, in 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 the way that those uh, subsidies uh, work, but uh, fundamentally, the idea is that uh, these grants actually go uh, to assist um, those who have been previously marginalised. Um, those who have been previously marginalised uh, and disadvantaged, particularly from an indigenous language point of view. And ensuring that there's some kind of socio-economic um, uh, empowerment that comes out of some of the grant funding uh, that is um, that is dispersed. Thank you. Thank you, Honourable Kumbu. Uh, uh, I'll now take uh, Honourable McKenzie. Uh, thank you, Chairperson. Um, good evening, Mr. Can you hear me, Chair? Yes, I can hear you, Honourable McKenzie. Thank, thank you, sir. And thank you, Mr. Chumombe. Thank, thank you for coming through. Sorry for keeping you waiting again. Okay, um, I love journalists. I really do. Ma'am, <laughs> the South African uh, Broadcasting Corporation has a, a public service mandate which enables it to come before the committee last week and say they're going to need 1.9 billion rand from government and things are tight and getting tighter all the time. Um, and the reason they can do that is because they have what they call their public service mandate. They have a delivery to, they have a duty to deliver information and infotainment, entertainment to the South African people. Um, community media also has a public service mandate. Um, how would you compare the two? the mandate of the SABC versus the mandate of community media when it comes to addressing community issues? Um, that's that's my first question. Then, obviously, you're, you're um, fairly senior at the SABC and your, 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 ref, your referees are, are peerless, um, as are your references. And it looks like you're, you're very happy and, and very accomplished in your job. Um, if you were to become a director of the MDDA, would you leave the SABC or would you would you stay in your in your current role? And I don't think the two are necessarily joined. You know, it's not it's, it's not a requirement. Um, but would you? And if you stayed, would you see any conflict of interest between um, uh, community media or community broadcaster and and the SABC? Um, and just as a last question, in terms of skills and providing skills, especially to to younger people starting up uh, a community media, be it a newspaper or a small radio station. Um, can you think of some government state-owned companies or entities that operate in the media space that you would collaborate with as the MDDA? And and can you just give me one or two of these as an example? Thank you very much, Mr. Romney. Thank you, Chairperson. Okay. Thank you. Over to you, Mr. Romney. Okay. Um, in terms of uh, the public service mandate and how different that of the SABC is to community radio stations. I would say there's very little in the way of difference. Uh, I think uh, the idea is that uh, we are basically serving the, um, the, the, the same purpose. A lot of it is about ensuring that um, 
there, there is some kind of transformation that those who have been left out of uh, socioeconomic uh, uh, opportunities are actually brought in. The SABC also has a mandate to basically promote indigenous languages. They basically also have a mandate of ensuring that um, people that, that, that um, people have a voice, that uh, it's not just the decision makers who are given a voice, but different communities and uh, their views are also ventilated. So I would say in terms of the mandate, I would say that two are very much the same. Interestingly enough, I think one of the reasons that uh, the SABC also has the same problems in terms of funding, as you mentioned, is the same one as the, com as the community uh, sector. I think perhaps in terms of the funding model where there is a, a, um, a reliance on uh, advertising spend and advertising has also been one of the issues that the two sectors uh, have actually been uh, grappling with. And perhaps in the same way the SABC has been calling for a different funding model, it may be time for for um, that to also be explored in terms of the community development sector and uh, uh, the, the, this particular sector. Uh, in terms of your second uh, question, would I stay in my current role or would I leave? I would stay in my current role. Um, you know, I was going through um, the MDD Act today and just uh, finding out exactly what the, 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 the specific functions and what would entail. And I really don't think there would be a need for me to actually leave my job, besides the fact that I actually enjoy what it is that I do. I'm very passionate about. And it would be, for me, it would be a, a kind of a double privilege to be able to actually work in a in, in two sectors that I find are not in contradiction with each other. And in fact, I probably would be able to do more uh, in terms of helping one or the other. I mean, I, 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 I for, for the longest time, in terms of our feeds, uh, from the SABC for, for various um, uh, um, uh, events. We have been asked uh, by by different um, community radio stations, particularly if they can actually, uh, if we can actually assist them in um, accessing that. And it's, it's something that, you know, particularly when I, when I have been at the home, I've been quite happy to do in terms of content sharing and ensuring that, you know, we can capacitate, you know, um, the, 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 that sector. Without being, without it just being about the levy that is collected, collected for the MDDA, and then in terms of um, you asked about the third, um, uh, some of the collab, the organisations we'd be able to collaborate with. Um, I do know that um, um, uh, there's been a lot of collaboration. I mean, besides the GCIS, uh, there's been a lot of collaboration with the GCIS. Uh, it'd be collaboration uh, in terms of uh, places like Centec. If you're going to be leveraging uh, some kind of um, a, a, a zero rating, perhaps, of um, cell phone uh, costs and data costs, those are the kind of people that you'd be able to talk to. Um, Centec, um, you know, and a, a, a lot of uh, different um, organizations. Obviously, you would have to go to some kind of FDI organizations. A development funding in terms of leveraging that in terms of giving seed funding to uh, the different organizations. Thank you, uh, Honorable uh, uh, McKenzie. I will then get to the next member, Honorable Faku. Uh, thank you, Chairperson. Hi, Ms. Shimombo. I love your surname. 
Thank you very much, Ms. Fako. Okay. Um, thank you for your presentation. Um, I, I'm also interested because I see that you've been in a journalist for the past 20 years. Thank you for your service. Just a few questions on the topics that you have raised, like on governance. What is your understanding of good corporate governance in the context of a board? What is the role of a board when it comes to good governance? That is my first point. Since you've been a journalist for the past 20 years, what is your understanding of media freedom and your assessment of this in South Africa? Uh, what is the relation between MDDA and ICASA? Um, how do you propose necessary intervention to strengthen MDDA in order to, to enable to achieve its mandate? So those are my questions. Thanks, Chair. Thank you very much, Ms. Fakul. Um, I'll start with the first question. You spoke about what gov good governance entails. Um, and that would entail um, issues, for instance, like um, uh, good financial, um, good financial accounting, for instance, um, sticking to the Public Management Finance Act and making sure uh, that happens. Uh, also, the fact that there are stakeholders within the organisations and ensuring that you are actually accountable uh, to to those uh, those particular stakeholders, ensuring that in terms of your own human resources and in terms of uh, sticking to your own internal um, to your own internal processes, making that your taxes are in place, your labor relations are in place, your human resources are in place. Those would be some of the things that uh, I think uh, would would be entailed in terms of good corporate governance and making sure that in terms of uh, the compliance that is required. Uh, by, uh, by by ICASA, for instance, you've got the necessary licenses that you need as that particular organization uh, to, 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 to continue. Um, yeah, I would say that, uh, and, 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 and making sure that uh, uh, in terms of your project management, you follow all the rules in terms of what needs to be done, in terms of evaluation, monitoring, putting in your, um, your, your annual report, Making sure that the auditing is properly done, um, all of those um, those those issues for me would um, account for good corporate governance. Um, in terms of uh, your second question, you spoke about uh, how I understand media freedom. <laughs> um, well, okay, um, media freedom I suppose is uh, the sort of thing where uh, it's, uh, it's, it's it's judged by a lot of. Um, uh, organization, international organizations that monitor the media as to how harassed are media organizations and journalists uh, by, uh, the, by, by, by the different uh, state or government uh, authorities. So in terms of media freedom, uh, that, that, that would be, I think, the most basic and the most crass way of looking at it. But um, I think media freedom is a little bit more nuanced than that. Uh, in the sense that um, media freedom is also about um, self-regulation by the media itself. I mean, I remember there was a time where there was uh, a call uh, by uh, some, some organizations that um, the media be that they, they be a, a media directorate that is, would basically uh, police the media. And then there was an idea that no, in fact, if we can we can set up self-regulatory um, mechanisms where 
the, the media freedom, medium that will encourage the media to be um, to be responsible and in that way uh, work towards making sure that their freedoms are actually representative freedoms. So I think it's it's, it's not just about the status uh, people like to say. It's also about the fact that uh, um, the media has to be accountable for itself for its freedoms to basically be sustained. Um, you spoke about the relationship between the MDDA and ICASA. My understanding is that ICASA is um, the, um, the organization that uh, gives the licenses, uh, gives spectrum uh, to the different uh, community stations, um, to the co community organizations and the small uh, organizations. And uh, it would be the MDDA then who would use, who, who the, it is only when they come with with, uh, with 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 that documentation, that they can actually get assistance from the MDDA. So ICASA is uh, the regulate is, is the regulator in terms of what the MDDA does in terms of uh, these organisations. Um, I think you asked the last question. I think you said something about a necessary intervention. Please remind me. Ms. Okay, let me ask my last question. Okay, how how do you propose a necessary intervention to strengthen MDDA in order to... Okay, let me ask you, what would you come up to make sure that MDDA achieves its mandate? If you are given an opportunity to be part of the board, what will you do to make sure that MDA, MDDA achieves its mandate? And my last question, it's it's regard to the grant funding that MDDA is issuing to radio station. Remember, they've been doing this, and some have been doing well, and some have not been doing well. What are you going to bring to make sure that those radio stations that you guys are funding are sustainable? Thanks. Okay, thank you, Ms. Falco. In terms of uh, the interventions that I would make uh, to the MDDA, um, Look, I'm aware that uh, the MDDA for a number of years uh, has um, has had fewer allocations in terms of the budget from the Department of Communications, and I think that's something that actually needs to be worked on. I mean, we understand there is austerity within government generally, but uh, it does have an impact in terms of the kind of funding and the kind of support that uh, the MDDA can offer. So it would be something that uh, would there need to be some kind of advocacy in terms of speaking to the Treasury, in terms of making sure that they understand what the needs of the sector uh, are. That would be, I, I think, one of the interventions. I think another intervention would be the fact that uh, there was a commitment made by government not so long ago, uh, I think it was two or three years ago, that um, there would uh, government departments would spend at least 30% of their ad spend uh, on uh, the community uh, sector and as the champion of the community sector, I think the MDDA needs to do a little bit more in terms of making that kind of intervention in strengthening the sector to ensure that, because at, at this point in time it appears that that 30% minimum ad spend is not happening and uh, only about 10% is being spent at the moment. I think that would go a long way in terms of strengthening uh, the MDDA and uh, what it is able to offer. Um, now, in terms of uh, the grant funding, uh, you were talking about, uh, oh, you know, you talked about uh, some that are doing well and some that are not doing well. 
uh, and what it is that what one could do to 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 actually change that. Well, the truth of the matter is that some of the challenges that um, that the sector faces are quite structural. I mean, one of the things that is a problem is, as we've mentioned, uh, the advertising. And the po the point about it is that uh, a lot of businesses are not uh, do, do not feel like the sector is viable in the sense that uh, perhaps it, it's too it has too small a, a footprint and therefore won't give uh, value for money. And, and therefore, as a result of that, I think more, more, more needs to be done in terms of uh, allocations, allocations uh, to the MDDA to actually give, because if we are going to rely on the market, it's actually not actually going to work. So um, one of the other things that you could do is, uh, you know, form, form partnerships. For instance, uh, at the SABC, I know that uh, there was an internship program for the longest time, and I think if uh, there could be some collaboration between the MGTA and um, large organisations like the like the NCA, the SABC, training organisations, uh, which could help in training um, the staff at uh, these uh, at these media organisations, uh, and um, also in terms of placements, so that in that way you take the burden in terms of capacitating of the MGTA and uh, allow that, that to happen through uh, collaboration. So those are some of the things I do to kind of strengthen the capacity of um, the organization. Thank you, Honorable Fako. Honorable Pambo, do you want to pose a question? Thank you very much, Chair. Uh, thank you for the presentation, ma'am. And uh, it's very late at night now. Um, so our energies are very low, but uh, thank you for staying up. Um, question, and interestingly, um, I'm still fixated on the understanding, and perhaps you would maybe assist in uh, what uh, you understand by diversity um, and in um, diversity of voices um, and how, um, you know, you would... Uh, explain this in line with uh, gender race um in 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 relation to 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 to, to the media uh in community media in particular and um how you think um you know um you would uh, you know play a role in that but also why you think that uh, you know uh, your or rather <laughs> why why the move from being a journalist uh, you know, to 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 wanting to participate, and uh, you know, shape MD in uh, in this in this sort of uh, candidature that you are proposing. Uh, and if you were, you know, to be, you know, a board member tomorrow, um, what are the you know, um, what is the lack that you see in diversity in alongside gender and uh, you know, uh, race? Um, how you would uh, you know? bring about the change, um, considering, of course, uh, the economics, uh, what it costs, the budget, and, and how would you then stretch so that you achieve what you understand. So it's, in essence, what I'm trying to understand or trying to get from you is to provoke you rather to, to then speak to what you understand by diversity, but uh, to speak to it directly in line with, uh, you know, uh, race and gender. Thank you. Thank you very much for the question, Honourable Member. Um, <laughs> diversity um, is not a is, is, uh, not a 
a very straightforward um, concept to speak about. So for instance, the idea of diversity, uh, it's about making sure that there's a multiplicity of voices, voices uh, with, um, you know, most of them dissenting with each other, uh, with no conflict, but people uh, from the from, from from like I earlier said, from different uh, groups, being able to actually talk about their aspirations uh, and um, uh, 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 their concerns. Uh, but diversity is a little bit more than that. And the, one of the reasons why we need diversity is because, um, like I mentioned earlier, what happens is that if you don't have a, a lot of this multiplicity of voices, what happens is that the narrative is taken over by uh, those who are elite, those who have special interests, those who are pushing whatever it is that they want to push at the expense of other people, which is why we need to have that diversity. Um, um, in, in terms of uh, the concept as well, diversity, is that we see um, there, there's generally been a lack of diversity in, uh, in, in South Africa. And I'm not talking about from uh, the community sector point of view, although even in terms of the community sector, we see that uh, a lot of um, these media organizations uh, basically uh, are situated in metropolitan areas and very few of them uh, are, are talking uh, are, are in the far-flung areas talking with the rural with the with the rural voice and, and that sort of thing so we see that it has an urban bias uh, and therefore in terms of uh, uh, fulfilling the diversity role something needs to actually be done in terms of kind of spreading of some of those organizations and making sure that uh, they're a little bit more dispersed but also talking about diversity we talk about diversity within newsrooms the idea being that um, to actually come out with a product, quality product, which is a reflection of what South Africans generally think. It's important for uh, boardrooms, for uh, management structures, for editorials, uh, for, for editors, for there to be some kind of, um, of uh, diversity uh, that, uh, that goes into that. For instance, we know uh, that uh, very, there are very few uh, black women at board level in many of uh, in, in 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 much of the the mainstream uh, media, uh, black women like myself actually struggle uh, to actually get through to that uh, particular glass ceiling. Um, it's um, it's one of the thing, those things that is not happening, and as a result, some of the the, the 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 decisions that are made basically continue to reflect and uh, to 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 reinforce uh, the status quo which is why it's important to have diversity so that we can, if we're going to be a transformative uh, 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 democracy, we need to actually start uh, using the same kind of um, criteria we've been using to basically put people into positions and uh, the way we work for things to actually change. So like you're saying, um, um, Honorable Pambo, it's a very difficult thing uh, to change. A lot of it is very structural. And uh, there are a few things at this point in time uh, that need to that 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 are happening, which is why the MDDA is very important in terms of the work that it, the, the the research it does, and the work it does in terms of conscientizing uh, local communities in terms of uh, um, why it's important to to be diverse and hear other people out and tolerate other people's views. Honorable Pablo, I hope that was enough. Well, Chair, if you allow, um, 
I, I think I think well you you've uh, essentially covered what you your understanding of diversity is. Perhaps more pointed would be in uh, relation to race and uh, gender, as indicated essentially in the provocation. Um, and perhaps if you could speak to that. Um, and you, you know, I think that what what is is nice and interesting about what you you gave as diversity is to speak to well, I mean, I suppose broadly um, to the dominance um, of the narratives in ma- in many instances, or you know, as more of a top down as opposed to you know a bottom up or a you know a more all direction sort of. Um, you know, um, uh, you know, narrative as as would be covered by by by, by the media. But in essence, I think um, if you could just speak pointedly on um, on uh, gender and uh, you know race, thank you. Um, if I can, if you could just um, pinpoint exactly to me what exactly about race and gender you are speaking to. What exactly do you want to find out? race and gender point of view so 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 what would you what would you be um so in in if you are a board member today um do you think that there is a issue to be addressed uh, in relation to gender uh, in relation to race essentially let's just put it that way well in terms of uh, broadly in terms of the community um uh, the community uh, media sector I don't think that um, from a race point of view, I think I, 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 I would assume, and from what it is that I listened to, uh, I, I would assume that particularly uh, from a geographical point of view, um, many of the people that uh, will be running these stations, working these stations, uh, will be uh, people of African descent, black people. Uh, perhaps uh, from a gender point of view, particularly once you start going into uh, in, into areas like the rural areas and that sort of thing, you're going to get far far less of a, a, a gender spread. Where you'll probably find that m- uh, much of, um, of of the work that is done in those uh, organisations is done by men, simply because of uh, the duties that uh, women have to uh, take care of and uh, the kind of um, understanding and the kind of cultural norms that happen there. So uh, from 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 that point of view. I suppose what it is that you're, 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 you're pushing for is that it's important that even within uh, the community uh, sector that there they, they, they be a push towards ensuring that there are more, uh, there's more gender uh, equity, making sure that there are more journalists, uh, female journalists and people who are running these organizations. Uh, I'm not sure, I haven't seen any studies in terms of the gender breakdown in terms of the community sector and people who work in it. And this is simply assumption on my part. Thank you, Honorable uh, Pambo. I will now uh, take uh, the Honorable Member Machuzi. Uh, thank you, Chair. Um, good, good evening, Ms. Um, Chimombe. I hope I'm pronouncing yes. your sending correctly. It's perfect. Uh, okay, thanks. Um, thank you for the presentation. Uh, my question would be one. Um, considering the challenges that are encountered by the MTDA board, which are a backlog of projects accumulated 
and with no prospects of being able to clear, given the limited funds that are there. Such backlog with the principle of first come, first serve has meant that in some cases, uh, the MDDA is required to select projects for approval that applied in 2010, which may no longer be compliant or have, a re- or have relevance to the current landscape. Uh, what decisive decision, if uh, you are appointed as a board member, uh, would you take biting the bullet according to this uh, statement that I've, I've just made? Thanks. Thank you for that question. My understanding is that that bullet has already has already been bitten, in the sense that uh, in terms of the <laughs> in terms of the process now uh, being followed, I think it was from uh, last year or yeah, I think it was last year. Uh, I remember reading that uh, that uh, now it's no longer be, going to be on a first come first serve uh, basis, and uh, what will happen is that there will be a cut off date. Uh, if there's no more money and the projects have been uh, bought in, I think there's a submission of applications uh, um, on a, a biannual basis. And um, you t- once that uh, quota has been filled in terms of what funding is available, then the cutoff uh, comes back and then nobody's going to be standing in line uh, for the next couple of years. And I think that's a proper, that's a proper strategy. As you say, if uh, you, 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 you put people in, in, in a line in 2010, the conditions have cha- totally changed from uh, 2020. So I think it was a proper decision to take on the part of the NDPA. Uh, Chair, just uh, just to follow up, uh, I just wanted to check if you do know that even if there is a cutoff date, but all applications submitted by the cutoff date will be considered with those applications that are successful and those not successful being informed immediately. So. Um, what if they are considered and there is that backlog that is there, obviously, of uh, um, uh, projects that have not been uh, uh, done. So that is why I wanted to, to, to pick your mind on that one. What, what would be your, 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 your input uh, in terms of that? You know, Honourable Member, I don't think, I think, I think we have to accept the fact that uh, you know, although uh, you know it, it, it would be it would be ideal to fund as many or as many uh, organisations as possible, and as many as many, as many organisations as possible, it's not particularly particularly uh, possible. That is why there is a criteria. There's a, that's why there's a selection criteria, and the selection criteria, I, I think, uh, under the circumstances, uh, will need to be a lot more stringent to ensure that. You know, you don't raise expectations, people sitting on the sidelines, and you don't actually have money to, to give them. I think, uh, unfortunately, although, you know, this is a non-profit uh, sector and apparently doesn't have the cutthroat um, rationale of, uh, you know, uh, the private uh, media, you still have to actually exercise some kind of um, cut-off, cut-off in terms of what is possible and what is, what, 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 what is, what is possible. So uh, yeah, I, I I don't think that the MDGA should put itself in a position where it's basically promising and committing and is not in a position to do that. Particularly if there is uh, there, 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 there's an awareness of what is uh, available in terms of funding. 
Thank you, Honorable Matosi. Now go to Honorable Kubega. Honorable Kubega. Uh, how are you, Mayor Busisiwe? Busisiwe yes, hello, Busisiwe or Busisiwe? Busisiwe. Are you Sibusisiwe or Busisiwe? I'm Sibusisiwe. Oh, thank you. How are you this evening? I'm fine, ma'am. How are you? I'm okay. I'm okay. Uh, Messi Busisiwe, I'm just having only two questions for you. Uh, okay. Because I can see that you are having a vast experience on the side of the journalism. Uh, but us now, we want you to help us on this side of MDDA. So I'm saying in, in 2019, uh, ICASA had to close a number of community radio stations due to severe non-compliance with rules. And Centec also comply. Uh, uh, complaints about the non-compliance, uh, I mean the non-payment of signal distribution fees by some stations. So what do you think the MDDA can do to improve uh, the situation? So the second one is that uh, considering uh, the difficult economic conditions we find ourselves in as a country, which may lead to budget reductions at MDDA. What innovative funding approaches would you suggest for the MDDA going forward? Thank you, Mimi. Um, yes, uh, I, I am aware that uh, particularly last year, there were at least 40 or 43 um, uh, stations that were actually closed down uh, because of non-compliance. And uh, I, I think I remember that um, uh, the MDDA was up in arms, actually, in terms of the fact that uh, ICASA took that uh, um, particular decision to close them down, basically um, calling for a greater training and and, um, and capacity building in, in, in terms of training, in terms of how to uh, comply with, uh, with the, the governance um, aspects of things. So, you know, the, the issue is that uh, in terms of um, the, the collaborations that uh, the MDDA uh, makes with other organizations, I mean, there are a lot of um, places that you can go, TVET colleges, where you can make a collaboration and say, you know, we need people who, we, we, we need uh, some help in terms of financial training and uh, accounting, in terms of auditing and, uh, you know, how we capacitate the staff at uh, our particular organizations and these companies to actually do that. Uh, you know, compliance is not something that uh, you can do overnight. It's something that actually has to be, uh, you have to you have to trade for. And in terms of transmission costs, the truth of the matter is that uh, uh, a lot of these community stations have been complaining for the longest time about the high cost uh, of, um, you know, distribution of signal and, 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 and transmission. But I think up until this point in time, Nothing really has been done. I think some of them, or one or two of them, have uh, tried self-transmission, getting transmitters of their own, but have been unable to actually maintain these. So, you know, from I think in terms of dealing with transmission costs, um, perhaps uh, maybe Centex shouldn't be the only game in town. Uh, maybe there, there, there should be a, 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 another way in, in, in which this can be done. Or, uh, you know, some kind of discussion. It is had with the uh, center to say, 
you know, this is a this is a, this is national duty, and for this particular sector, you actually need to bring down the transmission costs. You know, I don't think you can leave them to their own devices because, as we as 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 we know, a lot of the funding that they get is not is 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 not a lot of funding. So it's about bringing down costs. I'm sorry, um, Honorable Kubeko, did I miss your second question? Honorable Kubeko, unmute your mic. Thank you, Chair. Sorry. Uh, my second question was saying, considering the difficult economic conditions we find ourselves in as a country, which may lead to budget reduction as MDDA, what innovative funding approaches would you suggest to would you suggest for the MDDA to go forward? Hey, my bet now. Well, I think we should go the way of the national treasury, as we've seen. I think it's okay to go, actually go to the World Bank and the IMF uh, and the MDDA for and actually MDDA and actually get some kind of international donors. You know, uh, I don't know how much of that you have, but I think it's it's something that we could uh, actually look in terms of uh, supplementing kind of funding, but also just in terms of um, some of the grants that are made available. So, for instance, um, with the, the with the with the new technology, we're finding that it's becoming easier or or, or cheaper to actually uh, broadcast as a, as a community media. So, for instance, when, where, whereas you needed a large um, uh, amount of seed funding to build a studio, uh, to get a transmitter, that sort of thing. Now, in this particular age, uh, the overheads are so much lower, are so much cheaper. I mean, as we are doing at this particular point in time, we can actually, you can basically broadcast from anywhere. So maybe what should happen is that you should actually look at encouraging those kind of uh, organizations or for organ those organizations to go in that direction to take advantage and harness some of the, um, the opportunities that are offered by uh, uh, this 4IR um, for a lot of this technology that we are using now. And I think the time is right because, you know, a lot of us um, have probably not been in a meeting like this um, before this year and it's, and it's working. I think we can find innovative ways of making sure that uh, even the, the community sector can adjust and use this as an opportunity to do that. Yes, uh, Honorable Kubeka, you've been uh, uh, answered on your questions. Um, I think uh, just on, on, on my side, it's not really to ask a question, it's always to just get to understand what you were raising for, for my own notes. Um, you've raised an issue in relation to this center question and uh, the high uh, costs uh, that community radio stations uh, experience. I think what I want to, to get there is, uh, I'm saying outside of what you understand to be the role of the MTTA, um, the point is the infrastructure that is put there is funded by MDDA and another state owned uh, and the regulator will then 
close that infrastructure from operating, right? Because either governance uh, structures are not uh, complying or mm. because they don't pay the center part. What mm. can be done proactively by the MDDA uh, so that it doesn't look like just putting out funds and then mm. the infrastructure is there, but you are not there when uh, these uh, community radio stations experience those problems. So so that you don't get to a point of closure uh, when mm. there's such a huge investment that has been mm. put on the infrastructure. So, so what would be your perspective on that? As I say, outside of what is said to be normally, this is what the MDTA mm. uh, will do. Uh, in particular, the 43 radio stations you talked about. Yes, I understand. Thanks. Uh, in fact, it's actually a very tragic, it's a very tragic situation. Not only does it speak to the closure and the loss of livelihoods of, uh, of uh, you know, the people who work in those particular companies, but it also speaks to how the cooperative governance model of, uh, of the country, where you basically have, uh, like you say, different government departments Basically, working at cross purposes is actually uh, well a little bit a, a little bit uh, embarrassing because what should happen is that this, you you should be working in collaboration with each other. Now the the, the issue is that uh, um, I'm I'm not sure if um, uh, what kind of cooperative governance um, arrangements that you would have would you be able to go via the the, the likes of Cogta, Although I know that's local government and traditional affairs, but there should be. Some way in which within the um, the, the basic the, the the different meetings that you have min min in those kind of meetings where there can be some kind of discussion in terms of um, these kind of issues because like you're saying it's actually a waste it's actually an 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 an, an, an embarrassment and that uh, um, you know fostering the kind of trust where you can actually have these discussions before people have egg on their faces. Um, I'm not quite sure at this point in time the inner workings of how the thing is done politically, but I'm sure there's a way of ensuring that uh, there is some sort of more of a collaboration going via the Department of Communications, for instance. There, there's the lead um, uh, organization. MDDA also falls under. So it would be a matter of also trying to get some kind of input from the Minister of Communications to ensure that these portfolios under... Uh, his or her um, uh, uh, umbrella uh, are not working at cost purposes with each other. Okay, thanks, Mr. Um, Mumbe. I think all honourable members have had an opportunity to interact with you. Uh, I know it's very late, like other members would have said, but we still appreciate that you've been able to interact with us. I would uh, give you a minute uh, to just make your last point, uh, uh, departing point to the committee, uh, and then we can close the interview. Now, thank you very much for uh, the time uh, that you've given me and the privilege to actually uh, present to you. I don't have much to say. I suppose all I'd really would like to, to know is uh, how long would this process uh, take and, uh, you know, what are some of the time frames. Uh, but besides that, I think, like you said, it's, uh, it has been quite late. And perhaps um, uh, whatever communication happens after that will happen after the fact. I think everybody is quite tired. Thank you very much. Okay. No, thank you, uh, Mr. Mombe. I think with, in 
with regard to communication beyond this point, uh, the support staff that has been interacting with you uh, will still interact with you in that regard. Uh, thanks for, for really uh, making the time and, and interact with us. Uh, like I said in the beginning, uh, it's really an interaction we learn from interacting with every candidate that comes before us. And, and we take it that uh, uh, from the questions asked, uh, you are also taking something home uh, to think about uh, in case you are considered. Uh, I think that's how honorable members look at uh, the questioning, uh, is how you can change the situation. Uh, thanks uh, uh, and, and, and good night. Good night. Thank you. Deep in the night. Thank you. Uh, Tim Kusi, uh, clarify us. Uh, good uh, evening once again, Chairperson. Uh, we on the last candidate. Uh, she has just joined us, uh, Miss Benedict Mutian, who has also been uh, waiting patiently. Uh, she is in Chairperson in my process. Thank you very much. Benedict Mutian. Okay. Okay, I'm trying to see the, the candidate. I I don't see is uh Miss Mutian, can you please join in? Uh, can you please uh indicate or say something so that we can uh, see you? Miss Mutian? Chairperson, uh, unmute your mic. Temingosi, so, unmute your mic. Yeah. Yes, Chairperson. If you could just give me a minute, Chair. I have the candidate on the phone. I'll, I'll find out what seems to be the problem. Okay. Hi, ma'am. Hello. And my WhatsApp. Sorry, what comes up? I think I think you've opened you've opened two screens. There's probably check on your, you'll see that there's one that is already open with the camera on. I had that similar problem earlier. There must be one because you are online here. So there there must be one. No, I think use use the one use the one that is there. Or you're putting the name into the second one, right? The one that has a camera. Are you? Yeah, they are both in. It should be there now. Oh, thank you. Okay, my apologies. Technology is a challenge at best. Let me close the other one. All right. Hello. Thank you for your patience. Yes, we can see and hear you now. Uh, and we proceed. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay. Once again, good uh, evening, uh, uh, Ms. Muthian. Um, and and really, we really appreciate your patience. Uh, we've been running behind time, uh, given the committee meeting we had uh, before this. Uh, we we really appreciate your understanding and that you are still here. 
uh, waiting to interact with the committee. Uh, <clears throat> let me uh, take this opportunity to officially welcome to this uh, interview. We, we just don't call it an interview, as I said. We call it just an interaction because uh, through that interaction, we can learn a few things from you. Uh, and surely from the questions, you'll have something to take home. Uh, this is a subcommittee of uh, the committee in the National Assembly, uh, the Portfolio Committee on Communications. Uh, the National Assembly rules uh, to make provision that we can set up subcommittees to focus on a particular matter. So the focus of this committee is purely about the appointment process for the MTTA board, of which uh, you've been uh, nominated, hence you are appearing before this uh, um, subcommittee. Uh, just to clear how we are going to proceed from here, uh, is that uh, would uh, give you an opportunity after a brief introduction of the members as to who is here. We'll uh, then give you an opportunity to briefly introduce yourself in that introduction. You will then infuse uh, the presentation. Uh, and I'm sure uh, you've already had discussions with uh, Tim Binkosi uh, as to who will share the the presentation. So we'll just get to the presentation. Immediately after the presentation, honorable members will engage with you. Uh, maximum five minutes per member, so it can be less, So, but the maximum will be five. And in that five minutes, it includes both the question and you answering uh, uh, to the question asked by uh, the member. Um, I hope we have an understanding on that. Um, just briefly, uh, we have uh, Honorable Kubeka uh, as a member of the subcommittee. We have Honorable McKenzie. Uh, see Honorable McKenzie. We have Honorable Faku. Uh, we have Honorable uh, Pambo. Uh, after Honorable Pambo, we, we also have Honorable Machuzi. Uh, we also have Honorable Thomas Kumbo. Uh, so these will be members that will interact with you. I'm chairing the session, uh, Honorable Maneli. Uh, so in that order, then the, the members will interact with you once you are done with your introduction and presentation. I now uh, welcome you, uh, Ms. Muthien, to uh, take stage, introduce yourself briefly, and get to the presentation. Uh, thank, uh, thank you. you. Sorry, thank you, Honourable Chairman. It's uh, late for all of us, and I'm really appreciating your time. Um, if the um, if the um, the kind people who are assisting us could please load my presentation. My presentation is very brief uh, because, um, Honourable Chair, you had said five minutes only, and I uh, uh, always take my uh, my time um, very very seriously. So the first slide is just me in relation to the Media Development and Diversity Agency, and I wanted to emphasise the M and D and D Media Development Diversity. And the next slide, please. Uh, all of the work, slide two, please. 
all of the work that we do in this country is grounded in our constitution. Uh, there is, and it's 16 uh, um, uh, grounds for non-discrimination, which are all interrelated from gender to uh, freedom of religion, for example. Uh, the motto of our country is unity and diversity, a diverse people unite. And um, we are also committed um, by constitution, by legislation, and by ethical imperatives to redress historic injustices and inequalities, which perfectly dovetails with the MDDA mandate around enabling an environment for media development and diversity, exclusion, marginalization of disadvantaged communities, uh, supporting primarily community and small commercial media, ownership and control of and access to media, um, and um, redress for indigenous language and cultural groups that are historically marginalized. We talk about the development of human resources and training and the importance of capacity building, especially around the closure of uh, some community stations that were non-compliant. Um, again, we, when we speak about historic disadvantaged groups throughout of this, this is a very critical cornerstone of the work of the MDDA. Uh, channeling of resources to these neglected areas, as well as raising public awareness regarding media development and diversity issues. These are the cornerstones of the work that, that needs to be done. It is underpinned by policies and legislation, always starting with the constitution uh, of our country, the act of the institutions, such as the MDDA Act, MDDA regulations, the PFMA, always in terms of public finance um, management and public sector, national treasury regulations, king codes three and indeed four, and so on, ECA and ICASA and so on, all of the legislation that underpins it. Next slide, please. Next slide, please. In relation to media literacy, which is of critical importance for us, especially in a digital age with uh, fake news proliferating everywhere, we have misinformation that's running rampant. I would call it malinformation like malware. For example, in the case of COVID-19, we have, for example, sinophobic uh, malinformation, which uh, projects um, hatred of China and its citizens, for example. Um, we also have allegations of countries' entire elections manipulated by foreign powers. So given this, we even um, have uh, Twitter bots, for example. Given all of this, the, the importance of diversity and independence of critical importance, we have in this age inappropriate exposure and even exploitation of children and other vulnerable members of our society, including exploitation and abuse of women and girls. We have, for example, trafficking sites where one can't remove uh, the trafficked uh, of, uh, products and rescue the trafficked persons and underage trafficked persons as well. We have revenge porn proliferating. These are some of the challenges in this age that we have. We have misuse of advertising and the challenges thereof, like since the 1950s work on subliminal advertising, where people are you know, messing with our subconscious by inserting messages and images to attempt to, um, to indoctrinate us in different ways to buy a product or behave in particular ways. The, uh, the ascendancy of artificial intelligence, AI and robotics in this age is of critical importance. Uh, and how we deal with that. Dominance and easy accessibility of social media, the most powerful forms of media, even more so nowadays than print or even radio, with many users you know, armed with a cell phone and instantaneously responding. In that sense, uh, robotics is, uh, comes in with even Twitter bots uh, 
creating uh, fake responses or, or not responses related tied to any particular individual identity. And especially community and small media companies can more effectively use these digital and social media spaces, use OTT and streaming, including for revenue generation. Uh, we have and must continue to update our legislation, our policy and our strategies so we can keep up with these developments in the, this digital age and uh, in this fourth industrial revolution. We are struggling constantly with legacies of inequality, poverty, unemployment, and the pandemic is worsening that inequity, as we can see, especially in Cape Town, where I'm sitting, where the snow on the mountains is very cold. Uh, media control and ownership reflects the, the, the demographics of ownership of capital and the country at large, uh, and land ownership as well. And so we need continued and concentrated support for capacity building, for equalizing, and for diversification of media, as we do across all sectors in society. So for me, the role of MDDA becomes even more critical over time, so we can develop and foster media diversity to compensate for the past injustices and inequities and to promote equality and empower all in South Africa. Next slide, please, which is the last slide. The last slide is just about me, that I have over 20 years of executive senior management positions across sectors, including in the public sector. I'm a former Chapter 9 Commissioner, CRL Rights Commission, dealing with diversities exactly. Um, I'm a former DDG, uh, responsible for social transformation and economic empowerment. I served in the economic cluster. I have degrees. Um, I've served on boards, um, non-profit boards, as well as uh, social enterprises like Shown Equip, dealing with disabilities equipment. So I'm very familiar with the Constitution, our PFMA, King Codes, legislation policy. I'm familiar with MPO management. I'm familiar with the management of grant funding. I chair the Audit and Risk Committee, for example, of a TVET college locally here uh, and so on. So this is me in a nutshell, and I'm ready to answer your questions and indeed, if called, to serve where needed. Thank you, uh, Ms. Mukden. We'll now allow honorable members to interact uh, with you, starting with Honorable Kumbu. Uh, thank you, Chairperson. Uh, and uh, good evening, uh, Ms. Mukden. Is it Mukden? Thank am, you. Am I, am I... <laughs> You're doing well, Honorable Gumbo. Thank you, sir. Um, I'm good. Just one quick uh, question. Uh, Mr. Tien, I just want to wonder, what, what could be the role of the MDDA in promoting community media in a digital environment? Just want to, to get your view on that. Thank you, Chair. Okay, thank you, Honorable Kumbu. Over to you, Ms. Mutian. Thank you, sir. Just as the MDDA is historically promoted uh, small uh, print media like the local uh, newspapers we receive and community race radio stations like Bush Radio here in Salt, uh, Salt River, Woodstock, down the road from where I live. Um, the, as we move towards um, increasing use of uh, di you know, the digital media, we need to, to move with the times and um, the MDDA should and could very well increase its um, investment in terms of both funding, but also in terms of capacity building. 
uh, around the world, media are moving towards citizen journalism, where everybody armed with a mobile phone can make the news when there's a robbery happening down my street, people uploading it instantly. So the ownership of the digital space by citizens themselves, empowering us as, as individuals and communities to, to make use of and to create media for ourselves and for the country and indeed for anyone else. So I think in, in some, of, some of these ways, the MDDA could be a powerful um, ally and a powerful agent of change and uh, transformation and capacity building. Thank you, Honorable Kumbu. We'll take Honorable McKenzie. Thank you very much, Chairperson. And, and thank you, Ms. Mathien, and uh, from very cold Cape Town, very cold Salt River. I hope you've read all those books behind you. It's very, very impressive. <laughs> I'm a nerd, so I must, I'm a self-confessed nerd, I'm afraid. And you show it beautifully. Um, thank you for being brief in your presentation this late. We appreciate it, so I'll also be brief in my questions. Um, just in terms of new media, I had some questions on that, and I just wrote here, wow, because... I thought, thought your comments on, on new media and the exploitation of new media was spot on. So I'm not gonna ask you any questions around that, except maybe in terms of skills. Do you believe that there's a particular skill set required by young people or, or, or middle-aged people who wanna take advantage of these new media opportunities? Um, and then in terms of, of political independence of community media, how do you see that? I mean, it's, it's important in a democracy that, that diversity of voices are heard. How do, how do you see uh, the MDDA um, perhaps enforcing that, uh, not enforcing is the wrong word, encouraging a culture of, of democracy and the diversity of voices, especially with local government elections coming up when community media, of course, have a key role to play? Thank you very much, Ms. Ruthie, and thank you, Chair. Honourable, shall I respond, Chairman? Shall I wait for you to give me permission or do I just respond, Chairman? No, you just respond. Uh, that saves us time. Thank you, sir. Honorable McKenzie, these are very, very good questions. In relation to skill sets, I, it's, I, you know, it seems to me as if babies are born and they're born with a mobile phone in their hands and the ability to use it. Even the mature people of retirement age are using uh, mobile telephony and taking beautiful photographs of sunsets. Some of my relatives are sending me uh, retired people uh, using uh, you know, telephony in, in the most profound ways. So I think, um, yes, uh, we already have so much skills available and everybody you know, knows how to use a mobile phone and to use the internet in various ways from the mobile phone and other technology. We have libraries, for example, that give internet access, et cetera. We now have the Department of Higher Education that's giving uh, that's enabling students with data with uh, in partnership with the service provider and so on. So so always one can build skills and capacity and learning is a continuous and lifelong endeavor. Uh, referring to independence, uh, political independence is of critical importance because um, it speaks to diversity. We are all um, different and we're all together in the same country. So all these differences and diversities um, in the same space and different communities will have different needs, for example. Here in this community of Woodstock, they have particular needs. There seems to be a lot of restaurants and hanging around when it's not a pandemic and so on. Other communities, they, you know, have oceans or, you know, some communities are, are, are 
truly still suffering under the yoke of inequality, which impacts on the ways in which uh, people are responding and, and able to cope with a pandemic, for example. But it's important, given that it's community media, it's rooted in communities, that that uh, it reflects those very communities and the voices of those communities in the democracy to strengthen the democracy. I hope that answered your question, Honorable McKenzie. Thank you, Honorable McKenzie. I'll now take Honorable Faku. Thank you, Chair. Good evening, Ms. Mountain. Uh, thank you for being patient and waiting for us. We understand that it's very late, uh, but I can see that we are still fresh. <laughs> I think I like your presentation, especially when you talk about promoting of the different languages, because sometimes you will find out in radio that some languages are not taken into consideration that you will have English, Tosa, and so forth. But when you go to Limpopo, Sivenda, it's not highly promoted as one would want it to be. So I like the way that you have presented. My first question will be like on the media diversity. What is your view on how community and small commercial media can be strengthened to empower communities and SMMEs just to give more voices in diverse languages, representing the geographical spread of, uh, of South Africa. That is my first question. My second question is, what is your understanding of media freedom and what is your assessment of this in South Africa? Um, and then um, wh when it comes to the issue of grant funding, I know I would ask this question because I think that is where MDTA has not really focused on. Is the issue of that uh, our government is assisting with in terms of funding. Uh, MDTA will assist the small radios in terms of funding, but you will find out that some of them collapse along the way. What is the problem? Do you think that you do uh, regular monitoring? Is there regular monitoring? What tools can come into place so that you make sure that these radio stations that have been funded are sustainable and they create jobs and they do what they need to do? Thanks. Um, Honorable Faku, those are extremely good questions. In relation to languages, and um, in particular what I shall call in inverted commas, minority languages, um, uh, languages spoken in deep rural area parts of our country. It's precisely for these reasons that we have the constitutional imperative to promote the diversity. We have Khoian San languages, which I'm unfortunately unable to pronounce, uh, which also need promotion uh, and protection. So um, MDDA is perfectly placed and, and mandated indeed by legislation etc., to promote this. There are ways and means in which small community media can be leveraged. For example, government at national level, filtering down to municipal level, they have set-asides for women, set-asides for youth, for black businesses, for small businesses, etc. We're looking at print media, for example, that are all being, that are closing in part due to global recession, but in part also due to the pandemic. So these small uh, community newspapers in all of our communities can be supported by, for example, supporting its newsmaking function by having set aside, for example, government printing 
which for which they can use the printing press. Just one 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 commercial side subsidizing the public side. For example, um, it can um, establish partnerships um, in with, for example, TVET colleges um, in terms of capacity building. What is of critical importance is is the need to build capacity. NGOs or the nonprofit environment has similar challenges to community radio and small commercial presses. Um, so on the one hand, we need capacity and we need to train people. And I see on the MDDA website, they've developed a, a coursework on corporate governance for, for the NPO sector. But they need capacity building, they need mentorship, they need, uh, you know, handholding. And simultaneously, they need, uh, you know, you need a, um, a bit of a carrot and a stick method. People need to be held accountable. When you have public funds in your hand, you can't mismanage it. And so a um, level of stronger accountability is also needed at the same time. It's like having rights and responsibilities at the same time. So there are ways and means in which we can access funding by uh, partnering with the CETAs, indeed establishing an academy for community media in which, uh, you know, like the TVET colleges, some students pay the fees and can afford to pay and cross-subsidize those who cannot afford to pay. So there are ways and means in which one can work creatively to build capacity, to generate income, etc., at a community level and getting the support of the local community businesses on board in relation to media freedom, uh, Honorable Faku. Um, it's of critical importance. It's a cornerstone of our democracy um, that we have separations of powers and that media, you know, that media freedom and free speech is guaranteed. This is juxtaposed with, for example, hate speech, which we are very progressive in relation to the rest of the world in legislating against and in containing. Whereas in the U.S., I can say any horrible thing and it would be free speech. So I am emphatically supportive of the Constitution and media freedom and the right to free speech, access to information. All of these are constitutionally and legislatively mandated. And of course, we are compelled to support it, whether we agree with it or not. But indeed, I'm happy to say I agree with it. Thank you, Honorable Faku. I will now take Honorable Pambo. Honorable Pambo. Okay, we'll uh, pass Honorable Pambo. Maybe he's experiencing uh, connection challenges like uh, it's the case this side with the weather. Um, <laughs> can I then move to Honorable uh, Honorable Majozi. I see Honorable Mackenzie, just before I go to Honorable Majozi, your hand has been up. It was before. Yeah, it's just that the hand is like uh, still up. So I thought maybe you want to raise something. Honorable Pambo, connected. Unmute your mic. Unmute your mic, uh, Honorable uh, Pambo, so that you speak. Your mic is muted, so unmute it. Yes, can then speak. 
and we are now honorable pambo i will take honorable majose then honorable majose uh, thank you chair uh, good evening ms muthien i think I'm, I'm if i'm pronouncing it correctly um thank you for the presentation um my question would be one i heard you speaking on 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 languages and strongly so and on the diversity of languages i would want to know uh, the, the diversity does not only include languages, it also includes the traditional ways that are diverse in South Africa, the cultural ways that we use as, uh, as differently as we are as Africans. And what, what way will you intensify that even those projects application will be able to to, to, to be reckoned in the FDCA board if you are appointed as a board member in promoting the traditions and the culture in our own diverse way. Thank you, Chief. Honorable Majosi, um, that's a very excellent question in relation to respect for all the diversities in the country. In that uh, sense, I had some five years of uh, uh, growthful learning at the CRL Rights Commission, uh, commission as a commissioner, and uh, learning about the diverse uh, cultures and traditions in the country, the religions and the languages, uh, including the very, very minority ones, uh, such as the Baha'i religion, for example, uh, which is a 0.2% of the population or smaller. So the importance of, of respecting, promoting and uh, recognizing uh, the, 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 diverse, the diversities in the country is constitutionally mandated. There's even a chapter nine, like CRL Rights Commission, devoted to it. And hence the MDDA is compelled uh, to, to respect, to promote uh, all of the diversity in the country, not only language, but religions, cultures, traditions, um, and all 16 grounds of non-discrimination that is codified in our constitution. Indeed, all of society is mandated to, to respect all 16 areas of non-discrimination in the Constitution, including, interestingly enough, pregnancy status. Thank you, Honorable Majosi. Uh, Honorable Pambo, are you covered now? Uh, Chair, I, I don't know if you can hear me, but I could now hear you clearly. Yes, we can hear you clearly. We can yes. see you also. Look, yes. I think this uh, candidate, ma'am, you've uh, essentially focused on what uh, uh, I have uh, or we have been probing on, particularly on diversity. And uh, in this instance, it, it becomes almost futile um, to to then rehash because you've uh, essentially, uh, you know, uh, answered the one question which I'm interested in hearing um, you speak on. Uh, but what is also, you know, uh, interesting, or rather, what I would also like to hear um, you speak on is um, diversity in relation to equality um, and equity. With these, these, and, and perhaps with, and and, and perhaps uh, with the many responses that one has, without mentioning anything, 
um, one hears about diversity that that is missed. Uh, um, there was an example that was made about um, Orania, for example. Um, and and, and I'm, I don't want to be too direct and too obvious, but I want to hear because I don't want to probe you to the right answer or to the wrong answer. But to be honestly open about um, what you understand uh, by diversity um, and perhaps in, in your understanding, what would look like a diverse you know, uh, uh, media sort of... I've lost you on Well, I, I think the candidate, can you hear me, Chair? Uh, can you hear me, Chair? Yes. Yes. So, yes. so, so, so in, in our diversity, I think uh, you ought to now speak to equity and equality and how you would see that. So, so how, I mean, uh, you, uh, you, you mentioned the interesting uh, uh, faith, I know even at university, it was one of the smallest, um, but I can tell you now it occupied the space uh, so well um, that it almost became one of the faiths that you mentioned in the in, in in your in your in your in your list of it. You know, I mean, sometimes the simple test of whether or not something is dominant or you know is present in the space. So, so not necessarily in terms of numbers, but in whether or not it has had an impact um in society but in this case i'm speaking specifically on how you would speak of diversity in relation to equity and uh, um you know um equality so i think i'd leave it there for the for the for, you know in in in, uh, in consideration of connection i think the weather is terrible this side honorable yeah, I, I heard you clearly if you wish i can respond to your question please thank you sir so in relation to equality and equity in the old school people like me middle-aged people equality is like the de jure and equality in law you have equal rights uh equity is a de, sort of a de facto a substantive rights uh, where where my my rights are more realizable uh, our constitution attempts to to do that by having institutions like chapter nines to ensure the enforcement and the the enjoyment of of the rights which are in law so if if we agree on that under difference if we are on the same page in relation to what equality and equity means uh, i just wanted to be clear that we agree with that uh, my niece uh, educated elsewhere is over educated and has the two in reverse where she says equity is in law and equality is in practice so i just wanted to to know which way you what your distinction is if we if we want to just speak about having uh, rights in law in like paper rights so uh, ho hum ho hum here's my right on the other hand how are we doing in how are we actively seeking to have people realize not just realize their rights but to know that they have the rhythm they that they have the rights and then knowing how that they have the rights how then to seek uh, your your rights the enjoyment of your rights. Uh, we, our chapter nines are mandated in large part to, to ensure that. Parliament is mandated to ensure that. And all the diverse institutions in our country and in our laws, including the MDDA, is, is, is mandated to ensure that we are able to enjoy our rights and not only have it uh, in terms of paper. We have a deeply unequal society. We have been discussing for 20 years or more about 
what it takes. Will it take one generation? Will it take more than one generation? I grew up literally starving under apartheid here on the Cape Flats. And, um, you know, I've been able to get educated through bursaries and hard work, etc. And so how do we then take the beautiful constitution, all its intentions, all the beautiful institutions we have, from Parliament to Chapter 9s to institutions like the MDDA, and how do we use these institutions to let people know about the MDDA, for example, on the one hand, because I wonder how many people actually do know about the MDDA, and simultaneously use these institutions to help people enjoy their rights and to advance themselves to fully realize their full potential. These are deep challenges that we have as as a society. We are not unique in the world. We are not unique in the global south, but we are at least grappling with it in a very deep and profound ways. And I want to believe that we we are able here, a child born uh, starving has uh, the potential to, um, to empower themselves and to rise from the dust of that starvation, just as my generation, some of them have done. I hope, uh, Honorable Pombo, that that sort of answers your question but it requires a much deeper conversation, perhaps over a meal or something outside of lockdown. Thank you. Thank you, Chair. I think I'm fine. Are we still connected? Yes, we are connected. I think Chair's got a problem. Yeah, the problem is that uh, I've got connection problems on my side. I think it's what? due. The weather is terrible on this side now. Sorry. Uh, sorry for that. Uh, so I've been struggling to connect all the time. Uh, but I did pick up uh, most of the points of raised. Uh, so I've been following in that score. Mm-hmm. Uh, which therefore takes me to uh, Honorable Kubeka, right? She has not asked the question. <laughs> yes, Chair. Uh, uh, thank you, Chair. Uh, how are you, Mayor Benedict? I'm okay, Honorable Kubeka. I'm surprised I'm still awake, Mayor. And yourself? Yeah. You look very fresh and lovely, ma'am. I can see you. You are very fresh, and I'm just smiling when you are responding. Actually, <laughs> so I'm just having uh, only two questions. Yes, ma'am. Uh, because now I've I, I, I've seen your CV, man. It talks itself, actually. So I just want to understand, Mayor Benedict, to say, uh, if we are appointing you in this board, actually. With your expertise, actually, how uh, can you bring a, 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 or assist this sector with your expertise? Because now, as I'm saying, I, I, I need not to say anything when I'm looking at your CV. And I can hear even right now when you are responding to say uh, things are here. So I just want to understand how can you assist MDDA actually? with those expertise. So the second question is, uh, with a decline in print media consumption, uh, 
and move towards digitization. What do you think the MDDA outlook towards community print funding should be? Those are the questions, uh, Chair. Thank you. Um, Honorable Kubeka, these are excellent questions, especially this late night. Um, uh, Honorable Ma'am, I, I've been engaged in community development and non-profit development since childhood. Um, and so one has that broader sense of uh, constitutionality and governance over decades. And then I've served on company boards since 2013. I obviously have served for over 20 years on professional and MPO boards, but seven years are company boards where I've learned all kinds of skills and practiced them. I chair an audit and risk committee. Um, I have been immersed in community development. I've been immersed in, as a public servant in social transformation and economic, economic development, as well as as a community activist over many decades, because I'm now a lovely middle-aged lady, no longer a youth. Um, so I bring all this range of experience and there's a bonus with me is that I also write poems. So people get free poetry <laughs> as well. So a range of experience that I can bring as well as passion commitment. Um, and the fact that I, I do believe in the meaning of public servant. I'm one of those diehards where I believe like yourselves up late at night doing the work for the country. I believe in serving the public. Um, so I hope that that broad question is answered, uh, the first one. The second one is the big challenge um, in, in print media in general, but in particular for the small community presses um, and, and the implications thereof, the move to digitization. I think there's twofold. One I had already answered in relation to the state could, for example, uh, do set-asides to enable uh, procurement of printing where the printing presses can be used, which would then cross-subsidize the public mandate of producing local community news. For example, partnerships with a very range of local businesses, TVET colleges, etc., all of that, uh, assisting with that. But digitization, uh, it's a big challenge and the balance to maintain the existing technologies and what some would call older technologies and to move into 4IR, into the future. For example, uh, and uh, it's critical to maintain that balance as much as we are planning for and moving into the future. I, when I speak at universities, there are always young students toy-toying, um, like we used to do when I was young uh, in the 80s and so on. And then they are calling for land and calling for land. And I challenge them and I say, yes, so yeah, you're going to get a sod of soil, including here in Cape Town. As you know, we've had this drought here in Cape Town, for example. I'm saying, yeah, you have this dry piece of land. What are you going to do? You can't grow anything with it. You don't have any water. However, Elon Musk and his pals, they are in their own language colonizing space. They are colonizing Mars. Should we not also be looking towards staking our claims to space? So, yes, we do want a clod of soil, a piece of land. It is our right, our hereditary right. But we must also be looking to the future and where other visionaries are making mint uh, while we are snoozing them. I hope that's answered your second question. Honorable Quebec. No, thanks. Honorable Quebec. 
I'm done, Chair. You can hear me. No, all I'm asking is that can you hear? I can hear you, but uh, yes. can the members hear me? That's all I'm asking. Uh, as I said, there's a problem with network connection this side. No, we can hear you. You have that. Yeah, you fine, All right. No, we're fine, sir. I think the network is tired. Uh, questions having been answered, uh, as I said, on my side, I would not be asking questions. It's just to get some clarity if I didn't hear you well. Uh, with the experience in SABC, uh, as, as a board member there, vis-a-vis uh, -vis, uh, what happens in the, in, the, in the community media space where there are financial difficulties uh, in both. Uh, maybe if you can just bring back that point uh, on how do you look at uh, sustainability uh, of the community media uh, versus, versus what you have now. And as I say, it's currently the same experience with SABC, uh, which needed bailouts and so on. Uh, if you mm. can just uh, uh, elaborate that point, uh, that would be fine uh, with me. Yes, generating a revenue chairman is a very good question. Um, and the SABC has a has a public mandate uh, which it tries to deliver on, for example, diverse languages. It's a uh, it's it's a radio station in Platfontein which serves the San community there. A very small small minority language is is spoken there, where other San communities, for example, don't even speak the same language. And the proposal is that that small small Platfontein radio station should move from Platfontein near Kimberley to Bloemfontein, um, and there, there, there are challenges in relation to managing of budgets, to managing exactly one one's public mandate. What would it mean for the radio station supposed to be located in the middle of Platfontein to move to Bloemfontein, and for the people who staff the radio station uh, to move to Bloemfontein, far away from the indigenous communities, etc. So generating revenue and managing budgets is a challenge for us, even at Parliament, in nonprofits, etc. I want to say that I think that communities, uh, community media have been doing remarkably well, given all the challenges and constraints, um, because, um, you know, I haven't heard of them asking for receiving large bailouts and, and the challenges uh, that, that, that that engenders. So that I think that they are more, uh, they are less uh, big. Uh, so they are more uh, mobile. They're able to be more adaptable, to make more use of um, uh, different uh, opportunities, entrepreneurial opportunities that isn't as uh, easily uh, available uh, for a, a larger institution uh, of, of national scope. So I think there is a bigger. Uh, uh, opportunities available to 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 community and local media than there is, for example, for a national broadcaster in delivering on the public mandate. I must say that the critical part of the community media is the public mandate, which is the promotion and protection of diversity in the country. So, um, yeah, I'm not sure, Honourable um, Chairman, whether I've answered your question. 
but it's a uh... yes you've answered the question uh, as i asked uh, but uh, then that takes us to uh, almost the end of uh, our engagement as honorable members would have all asked uh, uh, the necessary questions and you've responded to those I will give you now an opportunity before we finally uh, close the session, a minute for you to uh, make your departing point uh, to the subcommittee for consideration. Uh, thank you very much, honorable members. I have appreciated the opportunity and it's been growthful and I've learned a lot through engaging with you. Um, I want to say that I'm a community person immersed in communities as diverse as those are, the ones I come from, the diverse communities in my heritage, I'm diverse. Um, and in my outlooks, I'm diverse and uh, respect those diversities. Um, so I'm grounded in the constitution and in our imperatives to seek unity uh, in the diversity and to unite our people through, the, uh, through and across that diversity. Um, and I am also simultaneously delighted to serve the public to serve my communities just as you are and so I am always ready to serve whenever called upon uh, whether it is to do the laundry at home or, or in other spaces I'm always ready at your service thank you okay uh, thank you uh, Ms. Mithia uh, honorable members uh, I think we have now come to a point of uh, uh, closing thanks uh, Ms. Mutian, and uh, I would say Chair? Yeah, definitely the data is tired now. Oh, he must come back. Just you see, when I hear people are contesting when we talk about network coverage. Yeah. Because they stay in the middle of Cape Town. Yeah, tell me, because bring back our chair. Bring back it our chair. It is terrible. <laughs> there he is. There is. When you talk that, that, about that, 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 they don't that. understand. <laughs> no, I'm 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 back. Uh, so chair, I'll read. thank you, thank you, thank you, chair. Uh, it, it's good. It's uh, good that we experience this thing so that you understand when we want you sir, sir, yeah. to sleep. <laughs> Precisely. <Yeah. laughs> right. No, but thanks, honourable members, for yes, uh, your patience and and also. The chair must just switch off his you camera and talk. You no, when, when he comes day. back, he must just appoint the acting chairperson so that we can... <laughs> <laughs> I think since my case is the man that is right in Gauteng. Yeah. I can speak. I can speak on his behalf, Honourable Kubeka. <laughs> Lala Pans. Honourable Kubeka. Temkos. 
Yes, uh, Honourable Member, don't you want to release uh, the candidate? I think the chair has Yes, I up. think yeah. le- 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 let's thank the candidate, uh, 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 Honourable Members, uh, release her, and then in order that we must just uh, left with the issue of struggling for our chair, Temkosi uh, must bring back our chairperson. Thanks, thank you very much for your patience. Thank, thank, you. Your thank you. I think everything thank you'll you will get it from uh, the, 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 the secretary because whatever information that it needs to follow, and then you will engage with him because thanks very much, Mayor Benedict. Thank, thank you, you and good night, honorables. Thank you very much. Good, good night. night. Good night. A follow up. Are you I like, I like to find all you want? I, I can't because now I just wanted to check is there any maybe a message that we were supposed to receive because tomorrow it's a it's a sitting and we need to continue. But I, I'm sure because you've managed to apply for us in order that we must continue. Meanwhile, the sitting is there. Maybe we can go to the sitting earlier being released in order that we must prepare ourselves for the 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 the, the uh, uh, interviews for tomorrow. Yes. So if there is nothing at Mbinkosi, let me appreciate and thank all yes. the members. No, I like that. Thank you. Thank you, Chair. Yeah, don't play with how. <laughs> no, the, the, there's something called uh, taking initiative. Yes. Plus, <laughs> must be something that takes it up. Uh, but then because I'm sure you can clarify this point that we have been exempted yes. as members Chair, of the subcommittee. There, there was no taking of initiative. There was a coup happening here. And uh, we just managed to come back on time. Uh, okay. Uh, there are many coups that have happened. Okay, but then before, my understanding is that we are exempted. Okay. Yes, sir. So that we are yes. able to start the interviews on time. Yes, Chairperson, we are exempted uh, from tomorrow is the social services and governance cluster of which we, okay. we don't fall uh, within it. And uh, we have a, a long marathon uh, day tomorrow, Chairperson, because we are sitting from three till nine mm. in the evening. Mm. Uh, so we still proceed as such, that's why it's good not to be in Cape Town because there will be food. How uh, <laughs> you can cook for yourself, honourable members. Before I also get disconnected again, uh, let's say a format <laughs> uh, okay. tomorrow. Right? No, the weather is terrible. What time does the plan start to change? And tomorrow is going it's to at three o'clock. So we start also at three, so we are not going to. Okay. Yes, that's why I was saying we are exempted from. Thank you okay. very much, Chair. Yes. It's raining in Houteg. No, no, it's cold. No rain. It's, it's, it's windy. Okay. Okay. All right. Okay. No, thank okay. you very much. So you must okay, see you tomorrow after it's on the far side of Houteg. Yeah, remember, Monday, remember, I'm in the West. <laughs> the wild west. We don't go there. Good night. Bye bye. Bye. Thank you. Bye.
explain why you called my trusty comrade. <laughs> 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 <laughs>